you can find all the equipment that you need to go into ninja stealth mode anytime at Amazon.com. Get the best prices on everything you need and help support Survivor podcasts like this when you start your shopping at RobHasAWebsite.com slash Amazon. Coming to you live from my apartment, it's Rob Has a Podcast. And now, here's a guy who's much more like a 14-year-old dog than Morgan, Rob Sisternino. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a very special Rob Has a Podcast. I am Rob Sisternino, and we are going to have a fantastic, jam-packed show for you guys here today. Here we go. Let's get it started. We are going to be speaking with the reigning Mr. Survivor. Malcolm Freeberg is going to be joining us to talk about everything that's going on on this episode. And this is his first ever recap edition of Rob Has a Podcast. So history in the making here with Mr. Survivor. We're also, apparently this is a huge week in Survivor history. So we're going to check in with Jordan Kalish. And then we're going to get into your voicemails and the Survivor social media with Jeff Pittman from True Dork Times. It is going to be a jam-packed show Certainly, uh, after another fun episode of Survivor, I will say the probably level two Survivor, there was definitely stuff going on, but it was sort of a predictable boot. So level two Survivor, but it was high level two Survivor, I felt like this week. So, of course, Wednesday night, we talked to Otis on Survivor Know-It-Alls, and that podcast is up on Rob Has a Podcast, or Rob Has a Website, I should say. And then also... On Thursday morning, I spoke with Morgan, and I have to say, I thought Morgan was very good when I spoke with her, and uh, she impressed me in the exit interview. So if you want to hear Morgan in my exit interview with her, you can check that out as well at robhasawebsite.com. And of course, you could subscribe to all the shows at the robhasawebsite.com slash iTunes, or click the podcast tab for any way you want to hear these fine podcasts. Then this weekend, I'm getting set to go down to the Reality Rally. I'm just going to be there on Saturday night, but I want to go and get interviews with all of the reality stars. I have like a two-hour window that's just booked with all sorts of people that are going to be there. So I'm going to have an extra podcast for you guys next week of all of my interviews from the Reality Rally. So that should be a lot of fun. Now, in today's podcast with Malcolm, what I did was rather than have Malcolm come up to my house, and again, my house is not really great to do a two-person interview. It's really much better when I'm talking to somebody on Skype. What I did was I went down to the offices of the Sideshow Network. That's where I go and record my podcast with T.O. during the football season. And so what I did was I spoke with Malcolm there at Sideshow Network. So I'm going to throw it to myself from earlier this afternoon when I got to speak with Mr. Survivor, Malcolm Freeberg, and then I'll come back to do voicemails and talk about This Week in Survivor History with Jordan Kalish. So here is my interview with Malcolm. All right, everybody. We are here live in the uh, studios of the Sideshow Network here with our very special guest today. Here he is, a two-time Survivor All-Star and your reigning... Mr. Survivor, here he is. I didn't bring the bell. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> Malk. Malk, how are you? Very well, thank you. Happy to be here. <sighs> Let me just uh, adjust this to make sure everyone can see it. Yeah, so um, <laughs> Malcolm is rocking the Mr. Survivor belt, uh, and is uh, it is it has not gotten scuffed or scratched. It is in, in good condition. 
Well, it's like a daily routine at this point. I bathe myself once a day, but the Survivor belt gets shined twice a day. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. All right. Well, good Good to see you here. Uh, so this is going to be a lot of fun. Actually, my brother Danny is he's here with us. He's visiting this week. We're going gonna to bring him down to Reality Rally on Saturday. We're going to go see the Mets oh. and the Angels. Uh, are, are you impressed with Danny Sesternino? I he is the spitting image of you. I walked into this room and you weren't here, and I got confused for a second, thinking I was in some sort of Twilight Zone Matrix scenario. Deja yeah. vu. No, it's tough because then people meet him and they're like, "Oh, Rob, you look good." Uh, and then I walk in the room like, "Oh, no, you don't. Oh, you don't. No, that you look was a worse. Tease. You look. You look worse." Yeah, it's hard to have like a, uh, a a younger, much more buff version of you around. He does have more muscle mass, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a handsome fellow. You're sitting far enough away. I won't hit on you too. Yeah, much. he he can fill in for Eddie Fox for you today. <laughs> so you can feel, I just wanted you to feel like you have a, an extra bro around. Can you develop a lisp overnight, like just right now for the next hour and a half? All right. So, all right. So, very excited to have you here. I'm glad we were able to finally do this. I think we have a, a lot to talk about with this season. Survivor Kagayan. <laughs> Uh, am I saying it right? I just like do it kind of like in a Jewish like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are, are you enjoying the, the BBB? Yeah, actually, like surprisingly, yes. Uh, I think I'd heard good things going into it and it's been fun so far, even this past week, like which should have been a bit dull, like kind of thing is a bit predictable. You know, the numbers are going to play out. Still a lot of fun. And I think good characters, good casting, three tribes. It's really worked out well. Yeah, it's been a, a definitely a, a fun season. And so last night we had so much craziness with the Hidden Immunity Idol. And I feel like, you know, when I think of craziness in the Hidden Immunity Idol, I think of one guy. <laughs> oh, yes. I do have a bit of a history with that. I'm assuming you mean me. My I'm assuming, yeah. Just I'm, I'm talking about you. <laughs> yeah, I do have a bit of a history with that. And that was last week with all the crazy plays with LJ and Tony. I was standing. I don't, I've not stood and cheered for a survivor move in a long, long time. I was cheer- for strangers. I cheer for my stuff all the time. But when with... Uh, those guys, I was on my feet, like yes, 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 yes. And so, which you were cheering when they played the idol for each other? I was cheering that they did something. They, it was a critical juncture. They needed to do something big. I'm not, and regardless of the intelligence or like how smart it might necessarily have been, they're trying to do something big and different. And again, I have a flair for flashy moves at tribal, mm-hmm. so I was. I'm not going to say too much negative about it, but I was supportive of what they were doing in concept, I guess. Yeah, I feel like this is something that we've talked about a, a lot in the last couple of weeks about how survivors, the modern day survivor is more prone to making moves at tribal council than the survivor of, say, five years ago. Yeah. Do you feel like that's a, a real thing? I think it's definitely a thing. Um, I'm trying to think back to the first, what's the... Like historically, like crazy at tribal stuff, maybe Parv and handing out two idols and heroes, villains. But like before that, I can't think of an at tribal, like really, I mean, idols getting played, whatever, but like really in dynamic new ways. I'd say the past, and there's probably a gap after heroes, villains, but it really has become a thing, like to go big, go loud, and swing for the fences at tribal. And it's a real distinction between the newer seasons and the older season. I think it's a lot of fun. It's just the way the game's evolving. Yeah. So. I really want to get your take on Spencer and what ended up happening last night because he was in a position where you found yourself in somewhat like in Survivor Caramoan where he's in an alliance. He has a group of people. Now, the three amigos are a tighter group than what 
than what Spencer has in this right. group. So basically, he has Tasha with him, he has Jeremiah, he has Morgan with him, and so. But still, they're on the downside. They're on the downside of the numbers. Right. So he has the hidden immunity idol, and he has the necklace, and he has to try to get uh, Cass to maybe come and join them. Right. What did you think he should have been doing there? I think that he was toast. I think on that vote, they weren't going to get cast back. The way the numbers work at ten, and you have a six. Well, it would have been six four going into the vote. It's you can't. It, there's no argument to pull one person over. So you're dead in the water. And I found the found the idol. Awesome. Whatever. We'll get. I'll get into all that in a second. But there wasn't a play there. So winning immunity and having that idol was really all he could do. And he stands out as the biggest threat of that minority group right now, which I'm somewhat familiar with, so I can sympathize. But he. Uh, he did all he could do. You try to pull like the crazy unstable one. I can't stand cast. We'll get to that in a bit, I guess. But you try to pull the um, flip vote over, but there's not really an easy sell for that. I don't have any like great wisdom to impart on like what he could have done different to swing the vote because I don't think it was rational for anybody to jump over to swing to create a five five tie. So you feel like was the group that that he had with him. Did it not? Did he not need to do something in that spot? Like there wasn't. You feel like the way he played it was fine. I, he didn't have a move. Cast. I mean, the move had to be somehow holding on to cast the previous vote. It's like hard at this juncture. You know, you know how it is with the numbers mm-hmm. and sometimes the way things work out. Like there's not a great time to pull somebody over. Odd numbered votes are always the times when people want to jump and make moves. And ten's a tough spot at six four. Because, I mean, is there a move for him to pull, try to pull two people over? That's the only way it would logically work, but with that tight group. I don't have, like, any insight or any yeah. advice on that. So going back to that famous uh, tribal council in Survivor Caramoa when Philip got voted off. So just remind me. So you had immunity, and then you were giving idols to the other two guys, or Reynolds had Reynolds immunity? Reynolds had immunity, and then I gave one to Eddie and kept one for myself, and which is – the subject of much speculation <laughs> right right so you could do that you could do that with three but yeah. it would be it would be very tough with the group with the group of four to yeah, be able to pull off something yeah, like that there's no di- one idol you have the necklace for yourself he could have tried to hand it out that was the only thing i'm thinking but when you such he's nuts uh, he's so behind the eight ball in like this current situation that doling out all of his protection I sound like the biggest hypocrite saying this after Caramon doling out all of your protection in one fell swoop that's not going to gain you that big of an advantage technically 5-4 if you get the vote uh, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense so for such a hypocrite after well, Caramon no, no, that's, that's interesting because a lot of people a lot of people said well you know what Malcolm has you know two idols he should you know play one now and save one for another week and buy himself two more weeks in the game and you never know what could happen then at at that point? Yeah, but that's sort of like how you feel for Spencer. It doesn't me- mean it was wrong when when you did it in Caramoan, but in this instance, it just might be right for Spencer. I think the situation right here is a little better because that other group seems more. I think the three tribe dynamic. I don't have any come together from not having a really solid group like we had in Caramoan. The favorites sticking together, life or death, um, was is different than the three tribes in BBB. Uh, having to come together in this weird amalgamation that's not nearly as solid. So preserving yourself is a more viable strategy for like short-term play to maybe have a development in, down the road than it might have been in Caramon with this super tight group of stealth nonsense. 
So, <laughs> so what's your take on Spencer? Uh, I sympathize with his plight is what keeps happening. Because like, I, 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 I feel like there's a lot of – there's some similarities between his story so far and your, and your story um, at least in sort of like starting in the Philippines and then sort of like where he ultimately is now sort of in Caramon. Caramon, yeah. yeah. Actually, I hadn't thought about it like that, but it's really true. At the beginning, I completely sympathize with being the you know on the losing tribe. He gets out of it, gets into a great situation, works his way into an emergent. Now it's Caramon where he's down. All this, he's got some idols, he's got some moves to make, and I fully expect him to make them. I trust that he will do something intelligent. Um, so I sympathize with him. I like him. He's extremely sympathetic. I think he's a little. If I had to criticize Spencer, and I really love Spencer, I want to be clear, I really do like him. I think he's a little young and a little hot headed. I think that he comes off like a little brash occasionally. Doesn't always like as much as Tony has stolen the title of not watching your words or using a filter. Occasionally, something comes out of his mouth that probably shouldn't have, or like in the moment. I like he's very dramatic with his arms and his gestures and things like that. He. Um, Really like Spencer, comes off a little young and brash, but still cheering for him. Yeah, that wasn't the best moment for him when he was fighting with Cass after the vote when they came back. Does, and uh, he's like, uh, you know, if I t- was going to talk tribal council with you or I talk strategy with you, like uh, that would be, you know, yeah. an embarrassing for you, for me to talk strategy with you. Little, and, yeah, control things like that, just knowing when to keep it shut. And now, is that just a matter of his age that he he's just 21, right? He's really young. I don't and and how old age. were you when you played the first time? 25. 25. So, but that's a big difference. It is like life skills. I don't, I remember reading his history. I don't remember exactly what it is, but that there's a real world thing, like having to deal with people outside of, I'm imagining he's still in school. Yeah. Like there's things having to work and things like that and dealing with a lot of different people that you don't get when you're younger. And I don't, again, I, I don't want to sound bad on Spencer. I love Spencer and I'm rooting for him, but I think those brash moments, like, as much as other people are having much worse ones, those could come back to haunt them or that could be a problem down the road because you're alienating people through emotional reactions. Yeah. And everybody is really is very is very much, uh, I think, rooting for the, this guy. It's seeming, seemingly yeah. from these from the survivor fans. I know I'm going to get a million emails now saying, well, I'm not rooting. Well, I'm, I'm not, not rooting no, for no. him. <laughs> um, but I kind of feel like that he ha- he comes from the same sort of mold that – I felt like after Survivor Caramel, and I wrote like a, a blog that I felt like Survivor was very lucky to have two guys in their in their twenties that I felt like could you know Boston Rob and Russell at one point were sort of like the guys who were like the faces of the of the game, and I felt like after Caramel, I felt like Survivor was very lucky to have in you and Cochran. I felt like here are these two guys who are complete opposites, but who are very good ambassadors of the show. And I was thinking about this the other day that if I did a, a Venn diagram of Malcolm and Cochran, <laughs> I kind of feel like the the middle intersection of the Venn diagram. Everybody knows I like to talk about a Venn diagram. W- <laughs> would that Venn diagram the center be Spencer? I, I think that's fair. I like that. I think, um, yeah, I think in a lot of uh, very survivor valued attributes. That's I think. Not maybe yeah. not. Cochran comes off as very sarcastic, and I come off with a lot of childish woo esque reference. I loved woo after this past episode, but I think yeah, as far as like the attributes that are relative to Survivor, as far as social, physical, and uh, strategic. Again, I have to hesitate to remember what's the other one. Strategic. Uh, 
as far as that goes, I think he does kind of. That's a very fair assessment to put him right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So he's given us a lot to talk about here, Spencer. Let's talk about um, the the other side of things. So Tony's group, and you're a Tony fan, right? I don't know. I like watching him. I can't tell yet. I don't have a strong opinion on if he's brilliant or just crazy. I think it's kind of what I just said about Spencer is 10 times more true for Tony about he doesn't always watch what comes out of his mouth. Mm -hmm. It's Again, I'm one of the louder people who has played, but I'm by no means the quiet type. But Tony is like whatever just pops into his head has to come out of his mouth and he has to tell you how clever he is right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy watching Tony. I hope he doesn't go anywhere for pure entertainment value, but, uh, you know, rooting for, I don't know. Okay, so they make the decision this week that they're going to vote out Morgan. Now, if you were in that position uh, and you are in in the majority alliance and you have Cass with you and it's like, okay, who do we get rid of from that side? Plus, Spencer has immunity. Did you feel like Morgan was the right decision for them? I feel like the right decision was bowing to whatever Cass wants, which is it would sad and it would drive me crazy from an egotistical pride standpoint. But after what happened last week, I would just bow to whatever Cass said. I think that it was the safe call, and I th- the way the numbers work out, it's probably the right decision. I, I, I like it. It's, I don't like when decisions become emotional. They are portraying Cass making emotional decisions. Like she doesn't like Morgan, so now Morgan has to go. I didn't like all that, but. They got the numbers to what, 6-3 now, ostensibly, assuming Chaos Cast doesn't do anything crazy. Um, so, And then you can start to split the votes and work more around the idols. So I think it was the right decision. Yeah, I did like it. Now, I feel like, and a lot of people have made this comparison, that the way they were talking about Morgan last night was the way that a lot of people in Survivor Philippines were talking about Abby Maria. And she doesn't do anything around camp and she's useless. And it was the same thing with Abby, where it was like, I can't win. I won't win if you take me to, if you take me to the end. But you guys got rid of her at the final five. Why not keep somebody around who no, who has no chance to win the game? Because everybody knows they did nothing the whole time they were there. I think the dynamic's a little different. You have to remember that Abby was on top come merge time in the Philippines. Her, Pete, and Artis, and the uh, Tandang group, like they had this massive advantage when we came into the merge. So, and then Morgan's ended up on the, in the bottom early on post merge here. Now you're sitting here, you're worried about an idol. There's with uh, I'm now talking about Kagan. I um, <laughs> don't know how to say it, but you're sitting here. There's all this idle paranoia. You don't have the necklace. You don't know what's going on for sure. You're in the majority. You know that nobody likes her. It makes her an easy target to get rid of. And then, I mean, you're kind of working within the dynamics of your big group right now and keeping yourself safe. Abby would have been great to take to the end, and we'd gone for days on why we didn't in the Philippines. But, um, but because she was in a majority, the situation was a little different. Uh, at this stage in the game. Got it. Got it. Um, were you sad to see Morgan go last night? Thanks to the miracle of the internet, I'm sure a lot of slow motion YouTube videos will come into being. It won't be too sad for too long if we ever miss just oscillation. It's not even bouncing. At this point, there's things, every tight shot of like it should be set to like depth tones. Oh, my gosh. A little sad, but, you know, she wasn't. And again, I kind of liked her at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I really felt good about her. The first episode, her little lie about looking for the idol. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, there's something. And then a couple other things she does. Like, all right, I could you know she's a pretty she's obviously a gorgeous girl uh, who's doing some like smart things and at least like, you know, setting people off and things like that. Yeah. 
I mean, she has some of the worst one-liners in the history of the show after last night. But. Yeah, she was, you know, again, uh, good good to have on the show, but I, I would have liked to have seen more of the eye of the tiger for her. Like, yeah. it was like, she's like, okay, well, you guys don't want me here. All right, whatever. I thought we had it at the beginning, and then the cards got against her, and she shut down. And that's something that happens to a lot of people, but it manifested really shallowly with uh, yeah no killer instinct there for for morgan yeah um okay you mentioned Cass earlier chaos Cass. they're calling her Ugh. no chaos no they're not calling her Cass is calling herself chaos Cass. I, I know how much you love survivors that give out nicknames i refuse i just, i said it earlier and i already hate myself for i refuse to acknowledge a nickname you give yourself so I, it's no, the, I won't say chaos again. It's just Cass. Okay, there you go. So all right, so Cass, why do you have hard feelings against Cass? I mean, Is it because she's not cute enough? It's because she's over forty, and that's simply unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> she's a child. Um, no, I really disagreed strongly with the decision to keep Jatia early on. It just, I mean, I understand logically where you could come up with that, but like, it just put, leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And then the. Of the decisions last week, we had the crazy idol switches and then in cast flipping. I thought Tony was on par. Uh, flaunt, again, I'm all for flaunting idols, so I was for that. And then he passes off when he knows they're not voting for him. Perfect. LJ, I'm okay with him handing out idol. There was no reason to give to Tony. So he gets like a 50-50. Like, eh, it's all right. I appreciate you doing it. Cass, it made zero sense to flip, in my personal opinion. At least from what we're shown. Again, I don't know what all's going out there. But you're doing it for a vendetta against some girl who has power for a vote. And you have the threesome on your uh, in your original alliance, the one that she jumped from. You have the brains alliance, and it at least the way it's being presented, it's just because you dislike the girl who has all the power. Instead of pandering to her for a couple days and being able to steal the dynamic back down the road, you can't do that. And instead, probably tank to yourself. I don't think Spencer's line about Cass can't win this game wasn't far off. So, and I don't and Cass just she didn't get along with anybody either. That's not she butts heads with everybody. So as much as I'm all for somebody flipping all the way through the end of the half of the game, nudge nudge. I support that. What? I su- I yeah. do support that as a strategy, but you have to be like if you can't piss off everyone you're going to put on the jury through the process or like at least butt heads and have very serious tension with them. Yeah. And you you're referencing my game in Survivor uh the Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, sorry. Yes. When and you flipped back and forth ad nauseum. Yes. But you're kind of charming and like underdogish enough to get away with that. Cast bossing everyone around and coming off like a B-I-T-C-H mm-hmm. isn't going to be able to pull that off at the end of the game. Yeah. Well, just just to go into the differences between me and, and Cass. <laughs> well, I, no, I would no, no. say, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I didn't really, you know, start until we got down to the, the final seven. Right. As yeah. opposed to at the final right. 11. 11. And I was the one, was per, the one person yeah. who ended up you know, being the person who switched sides, but I switched right. into a new, you know, four, which I actually felt really good about, as opposed to Cass, you know, flipping into a six. That even this week is like, boy, I don't really feel like I'm part of the six. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm sort of on the, I'm sort of on the outside. Yeah, I thought of that while I was watching it last week, and I'm like, she's, I mean, if she's going to assess Nino all the way, she's got to do it for twice as long. With numbers, the numbers being bigger make it more dynamic and less. It's just. And you're not even like charming enough to pull it off, so I don't know exactly what you're doing except making a splash for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like uh, one of the other differences with you know the way I played the game and, and with Cass, I feel like part of my 
you know, strategy, whether it's intentional or unintentional, was I want to be on good, good terms with everybody. Right. Like, I, I don't want to be feuding with, with anybody. And Cass does not seem to shy away from feuding. And in fact, she's like, you know, earlier in the season, we saw her with Jatia, and Jatia's like, so what do you think the vote is? And Cass's like, well, I, I think I'm going to vote for you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Which, those, it was before that, too. She did the first vote for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whoever it was, she did it, it for GTO multiple, multiple times. times. That's what yes. it was. Yeah, goodness. Yeah, Cass is just socially is not. And then actually, the time it was GTO, she told her GTO she was going to vote for Spencer. So the two times, <laughs> two times she didn't vote for GTO. Yeah, Cass is just all over the place, and I I can't see her pulling it off. But again, my first reaction when she jumped ship, it's, it's even kind of like when Cochran jumped ship uh, in South. South Pacific, yeah, yeah. Like it's okay to like do that, but then you have to keep making moves, and if you keep making moves, you have to at least be charming enough to pull it off. And it, she doesn't appear to have that social aptitude. Yeah, I do feel like though that there she has an understanding of the game, but I feel like there's a disconnect. Yeah, it has to be balanced. I mean, there's there's a hundred stories of people who get. I mean, everyone breaks it down into social strategy and. Uh, Physical, and I don't necessarily agree with those paradigms completely. We don't have to get all that, but like it's you could talk about like Hans, like being like purely which one <laughs> Russell. Okay, no, we don't know Brandon, none, none of them, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, with like you could talk about Russell not getting the social aspect and how he was affecting people and really thinking he was going to win each time, stuff like that. Well, it's I wouldn't put Cass into the same category, but it's clear that she's affecting people so negatively that even if she does manage to like through brute force of flipping and strategy and maneuvers get to the end, no one's going to recognize it because she's butted heads and had tension with so many people. All right. So in your watchful eye, as you're watching this, there's down to nine people. Who is the winner of this season? Because I feel like there's no easy answer. There's no Tyson. I, I feel the same way. Ty, yeah, Tyson, you saw it coming from a mile away. And this one, I would have said LJ until this last episode. And there was a lot of drama. We didn't hear anything from him unless I missed something. Uh, I would have said LJ. He's a uh, again. I don't like to read into what the editors are showing okay. us too much. So I won't. But he's he's kind of he's got quiet humor. He's got the confidence. He can do puzzles, which I always love. People who can do puzzles, but he can. St- he's got. He seems to have all the aspects. And now, from what we're being shown for next week, Tony's going to fly off the handle, mm-hmm. which is going to take a target off him and let him get deep and maybe make a run. So if I was a betting man, my money would be on LJ right now. Mine too. Why do you say? What did you see this week that makes you change that? I mean, it seemed. I was again. I already mentioned. I was surprised that it was such a good episode because of like how the numbers tend to work at ten, and there's not a whole lot of drama. We didn't hear anything from LJ. I did. They showed him for a second cheering when like the girls started getting catty with one another, which also makes me love him a little more. But we didn't hear anything from him. And again, like when you feel like when there's a lot of drama going on, you want to hear from the people who are contenders. And we heard a ton from Spencer. I know he was the focal point of everything, winning challenge, getting immunity, and things like that. But to not hear anything from LJ again, I don't want to read into things. Uh, was a little off-putting, even though he's still my number one pick. Okay, so you just feel like that he took a back seat in the edit. You feel in, like that in the edit this week he took that, a back seat. That hurts his stock in your book. Always does. <laughs> well, I mean, if like if Jeffro was winning, we would see something. Right. Right. So, um, I know you talked about Wu earlier uh, <laughs> <laughs> earlier in this, and so I I think there's a lot of uh, of parallels there. 
And I feel like, uh, let me just jump ahead to, sure. we always take questions from the Robins of Podcast listeners. Yeah. So Brandon Glenn wants to know, uh, why didn't Malcolm pull any stealth ninja mode on Lisa when she went through his laundry and found his idol? And I got, I got several variations <laughs> of that question of comparing and contrasting Lisa Welchel finding your idol and Wu finding Spencer's clue last night. <laughs> I did have a touch of PTSD for a moment when that happened. And I was completely – I support what Wu did completely. Yeah. Um, Patrick Butcher asked the same the same question. He wants to know, uh, did Wu want to do Spencer's laundry as well? Was that what Wu was trying to do? Was he trying to do his laundry? I think. I mean I think he was being nosy. Um, the big distinction you have to remember right here is Lisa found an idol. You can't steal an idol. Okay. If you find a hidden idol that somebody else already, you go through their bags or any of their possessions. You can't. At least couldn't take that and claim it for herself because it's mine. I don't know. I don't know if everyone's ever tried that or how production would handle that. I'd be interested to know. We talked yeah, about this on the Know It Alls last night. Okay. If somebody tr- if somebody tried to do it, if it was like yeah. on camera, if it was like a Russell Hans or a Boston Rob or somebody try to take somebody else and idol. said and it was on camera and like. Uh, you know whether whether it was you know yeah. who, who'd be stupid enough to leave the idol right here. I'm just going to take it and then and then yeah. you know then somebody, hey who took my idol? Yeah, I mean I think the production would have a documentation of ownership sort of thing. Like they'd have to know what's going on. You mm-hmm. can't, I don't think anybody's ever found an idol without a camera right there. So uh, I don't that you can't take an idol to get back to the point. Okay, it's in the rules. You can't steal an idol. You can look and you can see that it's there and you can whatever. You can't take it. With a clue, there's history of finding and stealing a clue. Amanda and Danielle in bed that like night with Colby Whoa. sitting there doing whatever. I know, yeah. Sorry, not to get anybody's imagination. Dan, do you up. have any idea what we're talking about when uh, Am- <laughs> Amanda and uh, Danielle were in bed and Colby was doing whatever? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> yeah, he was watching a movie. He, he didn't want to be bothered watching a movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so you can steal a clue. So it's a very with Wu stealing Spencer's clue and Lisa finding my idol. It's a dip, she has to just put it back and she couldn't. She even I remember Lisa re knotted my. I had it in a special knot so I would know if somebody got into it and she tried to re knot it and before I'd even gotten into it I knew that something had happened. Um, but yeah, with that clue you have it. You're not. Gonna, I think Wu played it perfectly. You find it, you know you can take it. Everyone's going to know, so you make it public. There's no reason to hide that because Spencer's going to put it on blast when he gets back to camp. I think Wu played that perfectly, really, but the parallels are, or there's not a whole lot of strategic parallels because of the rules between an idol and an idol clue. So, in back in Survivor Philippines, Lisa Welchel very earnestly, you know, it's seemingly, seemingly, seemingly. Do you feel like it was <laughs> it was not quite as earnest as it was portrayed on the show? No, I think she was just trying to do everyone's laundry. It rained that morning, mm-hmm. and I left. Like we had the merge feast, and it literally was half an hour. Like I thought I could sit down and eat and relax for half an hour, and then that's again that's the story of almost everyone who's gotten kicked off the show for something stupid. Like I thought I could relax for a moment. I mm-hmm. thought I could eat a block of cheese and drink a bottle of wine before I had to go hide my idol and Lisa's motherly instincts kicked in and she just went to do everybody's laundry all the clothes were hung up and uh, I had to run and grab Denise and we were freaking out and I immediately cornered Lisa and lied to her face and she lied to my face and what have you but I really she was just being earnest trying to do laundry and stumbled across a secret and that's kind of is what happened with Lou and then she confronted just just you and said hey I found your idol or was Denise oh, there too I confronted too? her oh you oh, said I ran down you ran Lisa. in like whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. and she had already well, found I grabbed Denise like asking have you done the laundry today because it's all hanging up and Denise goes no I'm like do you know who did the laundry she goes it was Lisa and I'm like 
vinyl was in my bag and Denise was the only one who knew at that point so she goes oh she Denise has a mouth art Denise goes oh I think she said mother right <laughs> and uh, I had to sprint away and go find Lisa and then like there was within a period of 10 minutes from seeing the laundry to grabbing Lisa down the beach like let's go for a walk and so did Lisa have the idol or she just saw the idol no so she saw it in my bag she went out to like take my I don't know my jeans out or something to yeah. hang them over the tribe flag saw it but she can't take it mm-hmm. so she has to leave it there uh, so she just left it in the bag and then I imagine it was just panicking but there's like a 15-20 minute window between when I actually confronted her about it okay should Wu have done something similar to Spencer and say look I, I see you have the, I see you have the clue uh, could he have tried to use it to try to get something going with Spencer or do you feel like that that was the right move for him he goes back and reports it immediately to Tony to LJ and says all right here's what the here's what the clue said it was like all like ripped in half yeah. and like uh all like weather <laughs> yeah I know it was beaten. ripped in hand in yeah. the river it was funny um it's easy to Monday morning quarterback that one that's what we do that's all I do if we got to sit here for like a day and think it through maybe that's the conclusion we come up with but in that moment he sees a piece of paper fall out of his pants and he knows that he's looking Wu sees a piece of paper fall out of Spencer's pants and he knows that Spencer's looking for an idol I'm not gonna knock Wu for what he did because like I think it was the right decision not to keep it to himself and run off and try to figure things out. He could have approached Spencer, but he's on the other side of things and the numbers are still tenuous. So why are you really trying to mix up when you have a good thing going? Mm-hmm. And then it provided one of the greatest confessionals of the, I mean, it had to be the greatest confessional of the season where he got ninja stealth mode and Sonic the Hedgehog reference into a single line of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he <laughs> was, was great. Happy. He was he was he was really, really great. And his ninja stealth mode was really, really good. No, it wasn't. He got busted. <laughs> I, I, remember, I was laughing watching because it's ninja stealth mode. Great hashtag, by the way. CBS, if you're going to continue doing hashtags, please put them in that vein more often. But like ninja stealth mode. Not two minutes later, Spencer sees him around the corner. He's like, oh, hey, dude. Yeah, I'm just going for a walk, too. <laughs> but why? it was so odd. Like I watched the episode back again this morning. And then so Spencer starts like walking away from where his clothes are. And uh, it starts like walking the other way. And then they sort of like pass each other. Like, I'm just going for a walk. I'm going, I'm going for a walk. And then uh, Wu comes over and, and is like, hey, man, you left your clothes over here. And then uh, he like starts holding it up and then and sees the paper. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then so Wu picks up the paper and Spencer's like, hey, uh, you got something there. Uh, yeah. And uh, Wu just run, runs Sonic yeah. mode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Again, we'll find out when the exit interviews come around what the actual story with what happened right there is. But my take on it was that Spencer must have heard Wu or something. And that's why he approached that corner. And then they tried to play it cool, awkwardly, like, you know, enemies in the hallway in high school, like, don't really know how to interact with each other as they pass. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, Wu, like, I, it seemed innocuous when he plucked up the pants, but then it falls out, and I think he handled it well in the moment after that. Okay. So then everybody starts looking for the idol. And so Spencer, but not a lot of people seem to be where Spencer is. And so it's a scene that's very reminiscent of now going back to Survivor Caramoan, where you at the auction yeah. buy the clue to an idol, which you ultimately never end up finding. Right. Um, much like Spencer. So you're looking for the idol now. And now everybody is in the mix. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And Spencer ends up with his own babysitter uh, who does not do as good of a job as Andrea did in, in your season because <laughs> yeah. Cass turns her attention away for a moment and Spencer is able 
able to take the idol and pocket it without Spencer finding out about that. So can you compare and contrast what was going on last night with Karim Owen? Again, I sympathize so much with Spencer and everything that's happening to him this season. Um, So what happened, everyone's in on the secret to find the idol that Spencer had a clue for inside of whatever. Everyone knows they all go on this hunt for it because everyone has the clue. I was the only one with the clue in Caramon. Even though I'd been tracked by Andrea and hounded and things like that, I'd had time beforehand to look for it by myself and couldn't find it for a long time. And there was this whole secret scene on CBS thing. I had this whole complicated scheme that's too long to get into at this point. The, the distinction here was that everyone was already looking. Everyone knew the clue. Everyone knew what they I mean, they all, both sides had gotten the clue read to them. They both knew it was dug under whatever it was, like, not down, but under rocks and whatever mm-hmm. it was. And uh, so everyone kind of had an idea of where to dig. So there was no uh, harm in stopping or whatsoever. And Caramon, what had happened was they just followed me to this point I was at. They didn't know. They knew I was digging, but they didn't know where, like what the clue was or anything like that. So I kind of I'd given up and bluffed that I'd already found it sort of deal. And I imagine that might be what's going on here because no one knows that Spencer has it. But ostensibly, they all stopped looking. If we are not seeing more of this scramble. So. Again, I guess this will play out more when we see, like, if people suspect that Spencer has it or the people, you know, kind of feel out the situation. But similarities and differences. But, again, I completely sympathize with being hounded while you're looking for an idol. Yeah. And it was also sort of like, you know, talking about the game a little bit and Cass telling Spencer, like, hey, well, I guess this was, you know, karma after what you said to me last night. Yeah. she's She has this victim mentality in all these conversations. Like, everyone's out to, like, treat Cass like crap. And... That doesn't seem to be the case at all. It's just her not taking anything well and not handling herself like like a 40-year-old woman, <laughs> according to Morgan. According to Morgan, that's right. Yeah, just to be very clear, that's not my comment. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, so as far as Cass goes, do you feel like she made the right move last night to stick with the six pe- or the five people, five other people that she was with? I think so. Again, it's at even numbers it's tough to make a move just the way they tend to play out when you have a 6-4 dynamic it uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense for her to jump especially not knowing where the idol was if you want to Monday morning quarterback Spencer some more you could argue that he could maybe save numbers by pulling Cass over with some sort of creative idol maneuver or something rather but again I don't think Cass gained anything by jumping again because then you don't even have a sure vote Mm -hmm. so it's I mean a lot of ways it could play out, but it made sense for her to sit where she is through this vote. But don't be surprised if come nine it's uh, or this next vote, it gets a little more dynamic. Um, what do you think of Trish in this game? Because she's somebody that is, you know, working with working with a lot of different people. Uh, we've seen her have some good moments on this season. We've seen her have some not so great moments of, of the season. But she's sort of being like a forgotten person. Do you think is she a contender for potentially winning the game, or is her best case scenario is her upside being the Sherry, where she's in the final three and people say to her, "What did you even do to get here?" Yeah, uh, she's a tough one. Um, I think you have to give her credit because a couple of the things that have happened, especially pulling Cass over on the last vote, was totally her. You could argue that she forced, was it Lindsay to quit? Mm-hmm. But again, that's not something you want to brag about that you were so obnoxious you forced another person to leave the game. And then uh, the, they, she jumped shit with Tony pre-merge too. I think that 
It's tough. It's really tough because there's similarities between her and Kat. She's rubbing certain people the wrong way. We've heard a lot of negative things about her. But at the same time, she's building a bit of a reputable resume. I don't know if you're allowed to reputable resume. Yeah. And sure. uh, <laughs> thanks. But I, it's going to come down to she's probably going to have to make – let's say she ends up in the final three. It's going to take her being able to speak clearly about and brag about what she did. And again, it's all about perception. If people are going to give her credit for what she's done – I think that if she's going to have a chance at it, we're going to have to see a lot more, which maybe not be totally fair because she's already built her resume. But at least the way it's being presented, she's going to have to pull a couple other tricks before uh, the jury would award her. Um, going back to Lindsay a little bit, do you feel like the decision to have Lindsay leave the game? Basically, she's like, hey, if I if you keep me in here, I'm going to go. I'm going to hurt Trish. Do you think that they, you know, allowed her to just get out as quickly as she wanted to was a result of the Brandon Hans thing. I was wondering if you were going to go there because as soon as you asked about Lindsay, I started thinking about Brandon. Um, I do think there's a, uh, again, I don't know, but I would think that there's a much more um, realistic concern on production side about contestants lashing out at one another. I mean, I was there for the Brandon day, week, whatever, however traumatic series of events and it there really was a real concern amongst those of us there and i I knew he wasn't coming after me me and brandon got along okay at the time Mm -hmm. but like there was a really real concern that he would do something and i think that if you see especially trish who kind of come off a little or not trish i'm sorry uh lindsey come off trish too really come off a little rough and tumble like and they're threatening that jeff's not going to put up as much of a fight to keep you in the game as we've seen him do it in the past so I think you could attribute part of Jeff's acceptance of her decision. Uh, you could definitely attribute that to Brandon. And then earlier in the game, of course, Jatia dumps out the rice, which you were the, also uh, part of Brandon Hans dumping out the rice. Could you ever imagine a scenario where after Brandon voted out the rice, would you guys have considered not voting him out of the game? Let's say he wasn't going, you know, basically, you know, nobody felt like they were in danger. He was just having a tantrum and he dumped out the rice. Would you guys have ever considered keeping him around? You know what? I would have. Oh, I would have. Now that I just gave Cass crap for not getting rid of Jatia for that, I'm thinking about like the dynamics of. I wouldn't have had any say in the matter because of the pre-merge dynamics on the favorite mm-hmm. tribe in Caramon, and we would have gotten rid of him because Philip was in charge at that point, and Philip wouldn't have stood for it. But, oh, gosh, it's tough. No, we would have gotten rid of Brandon. I would have had to get rid of Brandon at the time. I'm thinking nostalgically about things like in hindsight and considering what happened post-merge in Caramon. That's not fair. At the moment, he dumps out the rice. Nobody feels in danger, so he gets to stay in the game. He goes home. There's no way around it. I have so many questions for you from the listeners of Rob at the Podcast. Plus, I have a game that I want to play here as as well with you. So uh, let's let's jump into some of these questions. Uh, Let's start off with Nick Fishman, who wants to know, considering how the Matsinged tribe makes up one-third of the final nine, while Matsing was in one-half of the final four, what does this say about struggling tribes in three-tribe seasons? A lot of people said early earlier in the season where hey Matt Singh they were down in the numbers they came back and they had a resurgence the Brains Tribe they were down in the numbers maybe it's a good idea to have in the three tribe season lose a couple people early have a tighter group and then you're not that much of a threat Are you, do you think that that's the right way to think at all I mean it's not something you would do consciously it's not something you could ever plan to do nobody is going to show up if you're if what's his name 
Uh, Nick Fishman? If Nick Fishman, you're cast on Survivor and you end up on three tribes uh, set up, do not start losing your initial challenges. I'm never going to recommend that. I do think, however, it has played out. I mean, it's obviously played out positively the past couple times because what you see with tribes that win a ton is the built up tension and they get antsy to start getting rid of one another. And then you do slip through the cracks a bit. I think uh, it's not something you should plan to do, but it does seem to be working to an advantage. We'll see how this season plays out to really know if it's uh, something that can win twice in just a matter of a few seasons. But I don't plan on doing it. Don't trash yourself thinking that's going to make you look weak. Yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Our in-house historian, Jordan Kalish, wants to know, how could the twosome of Spencer and Tasha turn things around and become this season's Malcolm and Denise? We're at nine people left. You know Tony's about to go crazy. I'm I'm speaking from the knowledge of seeing the preview. So you know Tony's going to start getting paranoid and those fissures are going to start to happen. I don't think they're going to split. I think one of Tosh and Spencer is not going to make it past seven. That's my genuine opinion. I think one of them, is, they're both being targeted as the big threats. Who's on, who's on the bottom? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. He's invisible. He's invisible. He's, no, he's in ninja stealth mode right he's now. He's in ninja stealth mode. Everyone's going to be targeting Tosh and... Spencer uh, here in the next couple weeks and what's going to happen is as soon as one of them will survive hopefully one of them can get to the seven and then at seven everything everything crazy happens at seven but I don't think they can both pull it off unless the six make a mistake I don't think me and Denise were on top Uh, we managed to stay in the majority for all the votes we weren't losing votes in the Philippines and Spencer and uh, Tasha just aren't in that situation right now I don't think they can both make it all right, so Peric later wants to know, Spencer didn't save Morgan with the idol last night. How do you decide to use an idol for a former member of or for a member of your alliance at tribal council? So, is it just a numbers thing or is it like if you feel better about the person? I mean, it's a I mean, you shouldn't care about feeling better about the person. Like if we're going to sit here and logically talk about Monday morning quarterbacking survivor, we shouldn't involve emotions. Part of the reason cast bugs me so much. But uh, in this situation, I mean, again, we're referencing what I just said. Like, I was in Caramon and I gave up all my power in one fell swoop to try to turn the tide. Here, Spencer isn't going to be able to do that with one idol uh, and an alliance of four against an alliance of six. Now, I was able to cover my entire minority alliance uh, with like a little blanket of temporary protection, and that we hoped would cause a fundamental shift in the dynamic. Saving Morgan for one vote, say he correctly picks Morgan, which is a long shot it seems like by any stretch of the imagination they're still down five four they get rid of tony but then lj takes the reins castle stick i mean okay you could potentially flip somebody in the next vote but you're still down in the numbers here again i'm sounding like such a hypocrite because the caramel stuff yeah because if you i mean but when you take out philip you guys are still down in the numbers right the thing with again i've always had to argue and explain myself the philip was running the show and we thought if we got rid of philip we could fundamentally shift uh, where the game was going because it was this alliance had been together since day one mm-hmm. and this kind of this group that has a majority right now in Kagayan, uh is this amalgamation and that almost makes them I feel like stick together more so if, if something bad happens because they don't want to it's 
it's a dynamic situation. I completely understand where you're coming from. I don't think Spencer could have picked Morgan. If Spencer hands it off and saves her, he doesn't fundamentally shift it, and he's exposed on the next vote. I mean, he could have done it, and he could have done what I'd done, but... I mean, there's a history lesson to be learned from what happened in Caramone. Maybe he saw it and learned something, not just give up all your power in one mm-hmm. fell swoop. Who is the cast in Survivor Caramone? Is it Eric? It's a pretty fair comparison off the top of my head. I hadn't really thought about it, but nobody ever knew what Eric was going to do, and everyone tried to pander to him, even though I don't think he would have ever left uh, the original core favorites. Um, but, yeah, that's actually a pretty fair comparison. You never knew what he was going to do, and you had to kind of pander to what he wanted and that's the situation that Cass is putting herself in it's not a bad spot but again I think Eric was likable and never really rubbed people the wrong way except for kind of being obnoxiously ignorant of how stressed out the rest of us were right. <laughs> whereas Cass is butting a lot of heads alright Brian Goldberg wants to know Malk you and Russell Hans are the only two survivors to truly go back to back where your second season castmates had not seen your previous season. What kind of questions did your Caramoan castmates ask you about the Philippines and what information could you tell them about the Philippines? Also, uh, how did you get asked back and how quick was the turnaround? So I think that's interesting. So like, were you allowed to tell people about Survivor Philippines at all on Caramoan? So, um, give you the brief version of the full story. When I went in the Philippines, I had this whole elaborate backstory lie concocted. I was lying about where I went to school, my like college athletics career, all these things to make myself myself not seem like as big of a threat, at least via resume going into the game. Then uh, Probst asked me about 15 minutes after we got kicked off of Philippines to come back for Caramona in two weeks. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, uh, he like I got I walked down the hill. I'm all pissed off. I'm surly. I do my like pissed off talk to the camera conventional with the fire behind me it's really dramatic yeah, and sad very dramatic probe shows up and says hey we're filming uh another season we want you to come back uh literally was that quick so there was a little bit of softness to the blow so what happens is i come into uh caramone two weeks later we fly back out to the exact same spot and my initial reaction was to, why not just go with the same backstory I like I was. I said I went to community college by where I went to uh, where I grew up. I said I blew up my knee in high school instead of playing football through college. All these things. What uh, and I'm sitting there in pregame for a week. When you go to location before the show, you have to sit there. You do press interviews, t- physical testing. They go through this whole rigmarole of stuff before you can actually start playing the game. I'm sitting there and I'm torn between. So I go out there and lie right away. What if they read into that? And there's also, I genuinely as I'm not like saying this post expected. There's a little bit of. I would have felt guilty had I done really well in Caramon and lied about my past and not and that having been having been an advantage because another returning players didn't know mm-hmm. that that actually it wasn't the overriding factor but it did it was in the back of my mind yes. like some little ethical dilemma. What a nice guy. It actually I mean it wasn't the deciding factor but it was there and like waited on the decision. Uh, it literally was getting we hit the beach on the first day and uh, after we had a reward challenge we won everyone's in good spirits and I'm immediately getting like a ton of questions because they've all known each other like through mm-hmm. Survivor Circles for forever and I'm this long haired guy who just showed his ass on camera and right. like won the challenge and now right, who are you and in the moment I decided I needed to be completely honest and the thought process was that if I come off the least bit disingenuous they're gonna like even if they kind of believe what I'm saying if they don't feel like they can totally trust me uh, I'm going to be the first one out of here. It's not going to go well. So about what I was allowed to tell about Philippines, I wasn't supposed to say anything. We signed non-disclosures. I'm not allowed to talk about it at all. So I 
think quite cleverly. I just went over the top. I explained everything. And the, up to the point I was getting yelled at by on-site producers, you can't talk about this. You can't talk about this. And them getting mad at me about like saying how the, my last season went made the favorites on Caramon trust me more because mm. I was so willing to Got be it. open. And it actually worked out. Like I don't think the producers were trying to help me at all, but them getting mad at me for talking about like the results and how things went and things actually helped my trustworthiness in the eyes of everybody else. Yeah, that would be really, really cool because I feel like if I was playing Survivor with somebody and and they're like, oh, by the way, I'm on a whole different season that you've never seen before. I, I guess part of me would be like, ah, oh, don't spoil it for me. I want to watch it. <laughs> uh, but the other part of me would be like, oh, well, this is like, uh, tell me, you know, tell me more from this. It's basically, it's like the Princess Bride and I'm like, I'm, I'm sick in bed. I got nothing to do. You've got this interesting storybook that you're going to tell me. <laughs> like, I got nothing else to do all day. Um, yeah, it was funny. I did, I lied about I said I was kicked off at four, and the producer got mad at me. Like, oh, do you think you would have won? And I said no, which mm-hmm. was a little bit of white likes. I think I would have. And uh, I said I never found an idol when it came up down the road, and I had had an idol in the Philippines. Like, just a couple little lies, yeah, but enough to still get the point across. And did they knew about the returning players, so they were asking you about like Mike Scoopin and stuff like they, that. I, again, yeah, these you know how these things go on the internet, I'm right? Sure your audience does too. Like, people kind of knew what was going on, so I got a lot of questions. And so me like opening up about how much I couldn't stand Russell Swan, and I think Mike Scoopin's got a hollow skull, like those things, like, really. <laughs> Uh, resonated with uh, like they're like oh he's willing to talk about this but then you hear like something Malcolm NBA like they pull me aside like you can't talk about this and then I go back and like oh yeah I'll tell y'all later on that side yeah it oh. makes me come off even more trustworthy that's good I like that uh, Julia Zaroth wants to know have you tried out the incredible RHAP drink yet I'm sure the delectable combination of rum Hennessy aperitif and pineapple is nothing short of perfection but just like Tony and his idol I feel the need to get it validated first <laughs> First off, Dan, would you dr- would you drink if Malcolm made you a uh, rum Hennessy aperitif and pineapple drink? Yeah, let's go. Okay, Dan, Dan that was the best drink phrased question ever. Whoever that was, that was fantastic. Julia Zaroth, Tony, I mean, get it. By the way, is that the? I think that's the exact recipe for the pineapple Rita they're serving at Outback Steakhouse. Uh, we should mention the pineapple Rita they're now serving at Ste- Outback Steakhouse 20 times in the next like half hour to make sure <laughs> oh, we hit our quota. Pineapple Rita. <laughs> pineapple Rita, yeah. That's, Is there Hennessy in this? They stole that. Yeah. I, honest to God, was very close to bringing in a water bottle full of the R-Hap cocktails. <laughs> and I didn't do it last minute. I was thinking about it. I was going to go to BevMo. I was going to mix this one up and see how it went. But you're you're a professional. I don't want to get you sloppy on you know okay. your show. Maybe next time though. Dan, will you drink one at the reality rally? Okay. <laughs> no, you're gonna. We're gonna again. We yeah, have a, a shot or a full drink. No, it's a drink. It's rum. We're gonna put uh, a little Hennessy on top of that. Mostly rum though. A little bit of apérol. It's an apéritif, and then fill with pineapple. Mix, serve, blackout. (laughs) All right, blackout. (laughs) All right. um, Daniel Ladiano uh, wants to know, Malky, how would you compare Angie to Morgan? How do you think they are similar and different? I think everybody with a set of eyeballs knows how they're similar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes? Um, I think, uh, let's say that... uh, I think they're extremely similar in the context of Survivor, difference being that Angie was on the tribe that got wiped out in a three-tribe format, and Morgan was on one that did really well. And she got carried accordingly. I don't think either one, like, 
like you kind of said, like the cutthroat, bloodthirsty attitude that's necessary mm-hmm. to go deep. But there, I mean, why did Angie have that, or she didn't have? That no, either. she didn't have yeah. that. I'm saying it was kind of the same thing. But Morgan made it much farther by uh, virtue of her tribe doing well at the beginning. Um, I think they're actually extremely similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Physically and strategically. <laughs> uh, so, if Angie had made the merge on one, she'd be imminently more dateable. <laughs> and and, se- and second of all, uh, what do you think that would have happened if she would have made the hypothetically she makes the she makes the merge and then she sort of gets like nobody's worried about her. Nobody. Right? She goes out like when Carter goes out. I think it's okay. Let's, if we're saying she makes the merge. Are we saying like that Matt Singh brought three to the merge? Well, she, you know, honestly, she probably screws you up. Like, uh, she's probably, it's probably bad for your game. It's probably horrible for me. It was one of the better things that happened to me that we, Denise talked some sense to me and got rid of (laughs) forever. Oh, Denise. That's why she's a sex therapist. She gets the big butts. Yeah. That's Denise had to talk me. Usually Denise spends her days talking to people, how people, how to be more adventurous and more exciting and like (laughs) really to go after it. And she had to take me the other direction, uh, in the early days of Matt Singh. Yeah. Okay, um, so this is a two-part question. I'm going to combine two questions. So uh, Jonathan uh, Huter wants to know, Malcolm, I have to know what you think about the upcoming Ninja Turtles movie. Now, I want to know, uh, are they going to be in Ninja Stealth mode in the Ninja Turtles movie? And then, okay, so uh, give us that, and then I have another another Ninja Turtles question for you. Um, I saw the preview, and my first thought, they have the minute-and-a-half trailer out for the new Ninja Turtles movie. Um my first thought that was the turtles look terrifying. They don't look like friendly guys you want to get pizza with and hang out in the sewers. They look legitimately scary. I'm a little thrown, I gotta be honest with you, but I think I said this to you earlier. In Michael Bay, we trust. We're okay. just gonna blind confidence in Michael Bay to pull this off. So cautiously optimistic. All right, then uh, part two, Lisa Peoples wants to know, I know you love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Can you cast survivors past and present in the role of each Ninja Turtle? Woo is Michelangelo off the top of my head. See, I was going to put Fabio as Michelangelo. E- yeah, either. I was thinking like really current, but that's good. Okay. All right, well, you're going historical and I'm thinking. I'm, recently, going, yeah. all I'm right. going all time. Okay, all, all right, time. Give me, give me Leonardo. Leonardo has to be Rob, charismatic leader. Boston Rob. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, not me. Not me. (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, Raphael, angry, temper tantrum, hothead. Who are we thinking? I'm thinking, uh, who's the guy from Guatemala, the cop? Judd? Judd? I'm thinking just off the top of my head, who else is a hothead? Now, I feel like that's more movie Raphael. I feel like on the TV show, I feel like he wasn't as much of a hothead. Um, I feel like he's more sarcastic. I watched Secret of the Ooze last week in preparation okay. for the new movie. Sarcastic, anger. Uh, is it Spencer? Could Spencer be the Raphael? I was kind of thinking Spencer for Donatello, because Spencer's not that sarcastic. <laughs> All right. Old, old Donatello can be the one. Who's, wait, who's Splinter? Let's just do Splinter. Okay. Old wise man who sits there and just, who's an old wise man? Uh, well, Bruce Ken guy is a martial arts master. Bruce too. Yeah. He might be, <laughs> he might be a good, a good Splinter. Splinter never almost dies of indigestion. Um, <laughs> All right. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know uh, for sure. in the comments, let us know, uh, yeah. help us, help Very us. Very willing to hear your suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about, uh, Zach Brooks wants to know why was Malcolm's Twitter account suspended? Did you get a suspended Twitter account? 
Not that I know of. Oh, no. I, I believe I'm still active and uh, allowed to do that. I've not been informed if I'm suspended. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll look into that. Okay. Uh, we touched on this earlier a little bit. Mike Bloom wants to know, if you were on the Brains Tribe, would you have gone with the unorthodox boots of David and Garrett, or would you have immediately targeted Jatia? Now you started off in a group of six also. I did, and we got rid of Zane. Yeah. But that, again, Zane, I'll defend till the end. I love that man to death, but he, had, the guy stopped smoking the day <laughs> we got out there. He couldn't, yeah. like, we put him on the easiest leg of a challenge. He couldn't do anything. He is um, great. So, it's t- uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I think, day, I'm not so against the David boot, but I was extremely extremely against is it Garrett Garrett boot yeah that second one Jatia had to go then that was after the rice incident and Garrett still stays as obnoxious as he might have been and as like odd as he was handling the situation I remember like throwing popcorn at the TV for that episode too when he was saying we're not going to go talk about strategy you you already know you're outmatched physically and you have a guy like built like that you can't get rid of him that's why we kept russell for so long now that didn't play out particularly well for russell for Singh, yeah. yeah or russell but like the parallel was there i wouldn't have gotten rid of garrett for the same rationale that we didn't get rid of russell's because his sheer muscle mass gave us a chance in challenges that you know frankly at the beginning of the game require brute strength all right let me give you another question from nathan bayless who wants to know malk as one of the game's great innovators of hidden immunity idols play, do you think that by introducing the so-called Tyler Perry idol as an idol with different powers, productions are setting themselves up to introduce more idols with different powers in future seasons? For example, I had an idea for a hidden idol, which was the power to eject someone from tribal council, meaning they become an observer like the jury. They lose speaking rights, can't play another idol or necklace, can't vote, but cannot be voted out. <laughs> Uh, but let's uh, let's just use this as a backdrop for talking oh, about the Tyler, Tyler Perry, Perry idol. idol. Yes, I I sincerely hope it's not found. I hate it with every inch of my being. I think it's a terrible, terrible creative decision. We've had some bad ones, which is ironic because you're such a big fan of the Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Usually, I I mean, as soon as Survivor's over on Wednesday night, the Medea movie of some form <laughs> comes on. Yes, but uh, yeah, this this stinking all powerful idol in can. On top of already having normal idols, doesn't make any sense to me. I hope that it doesn't get found. I hope it doesn't come into play and taint what's already a really good season because yeah. it's. Again, I think Yule was awesome, but it, again, I'm with the group of people online that think it taints his win a little bit. Mm-hmm. That he had that, and there was one who who else had the super powered idol? Terry. Terry. Yeah, same thing. It just I think it taints the uh, stature of these people in history who've had it. That it's. I think it ruins the game. I like the way the idols play now. I love idols. Yeah. Everyone knows I love idols, but I don't like this overpowered thing that can just give you a free trip to the end. Now, if it doesn't go the way that you want it to, will that prevent you from going out as your alter ego, Malkdia? <laughs> yes. I will. If, if you, will this cease, comes into play, you will cease being Malkdia ever if, again? If this gives somebody... <laughs> Too much of an advantage. I'm going to start boycotting uh, Tyler Perry movies, even though I love them. Even though I (laughs) stay up late on TBS watching anything Tyler Perry does. (laughs) I'm going to have to boycott it if this comes into play. Okay. Um, This is from uh, Chris Alexander Ushizer wants to know, uh, Today is my 64th birthday. I've been married for almost 42 years. uh, Four and a half grandchildren. Uh, Will you have an affair with me? 
You say it was a wait. What's the name? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, I, I believe it's a woman. I believe it's okay, a woman yeah, I named Chris, Chris and yes. I got a little confused Chris for was, a second. Chris with a K. I mean, I'm all for free love and experimentation and things like that. But Chris, this is a bit strong coming on in the middle of a Thursday afternoon. Maybe you wine and dine me, and you know, you get a babysitter for the four and a half grandkids, and then we'll talk. But <laughs> yeah, this is a bit of a stretch uh, considering my current uh, sobriety. <laughs> okay. Uh, Trevor Chong wants to know, how crazy is it that we are left at nine with three bronze, three brains, and three beauties? Who could have Ooh. predicted this? Ooh, is that, that's good. I didn't even catch that. Um, it's kind of fun. I think it must have been exciting for production when that happened. Um, but again, like the way – I think that I love the three-tribe system in the way – I think it – Again, we already talked about how the one who goes down comes off as weak beforehand, and then they can work their way farther along. But I, I uh, appreciate the way that having three tribes leads to, excuse me, less set in stone, uh, big alliances coming into the merge, and I think it makes the game much more fun. Now, the significance of having three of each, I don't think is too too important, but I do really like the fact that there's three groups that could like split up and come together so many different dynamic ways okay blue bear wants to know is spencer overrated he's been blindsided twice in seven episodes and found himself on the wrong side of the vote how good can he be if he can't manage his own alliance in your first go-round you were always on the right side of the votes until the final four are we making is it wrong to be talking about spencer uh in the same way that we're talking about your game Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. I like the kid. I think he's a victim of so many circumstances that I wasn't. There are innumerable parallels. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's overrated. I think he's a rootable character. I think he's. I was a victim of circumstance. That's what. How when people ask me, why do you think? I mean, I've been lucky enough to become popular off the show, and people ask me, well, what do you think it was? Is because like you this this or that and I think no I was a victim of circumstance early on in my first season when you go down like that all of a sudden the viewing audience has a like kind of sympathetic underdog to root for and I think that's what's happened with Spencer and that's why he's getting so much popularity now whether he deserves all of the credit he's getting I don't know how much credit he's getting I don't actually follow the message boards or anything like too too much I think he deserves credit I think he's playing he comes off intelligent whereas a lot of other people aren't and I think he's going to make some good decisions and make a real run at the thing. Um, only time will tell. I'm not going to call tell somebody if they're getting too much credit when they're on a very similar path to what I had. Yeah. So I, time will tell. But I think he's been he has been he has demonstrated a love of the game. He's got, had a lot of airtime. He's extremely rootable. Yes. As overrated. Will I think that's decided after the season. You see, like how everything plays out. Okay. Let's go with a question. Uh, Michael Quigley wants to know, Malcolm, I walk into a bar and I see you there and I want to chat about Survivor. So you're in front of me, behind me, or next to me? Can we dismiss this question? It's a Philip reference. <laughs> is, is it Phil? I thought it was I thought it was an Eddie reference. Wait, oh, it was an Eddie? Or, wait, Philip said something. Wait, hold on. I thought, this was, I thought that's a take on Eddie's uh, final Eddie tribal said? council to oh. question to Cochran. Philip said something along those lines, and I got all thrown off. Sorry. All right. Never mind. I apologize. Yeah, don't get distracted my, by your uh, immediate Philip yeah. uh, knee-jerk right, reaction. Sorry. 
Okay. Uh, you so, come up and you stand next. Like, just come up and say hi. I actually love it when people want to talk about Survivor. I'm super fan of the show. I'm always for it. I might not stay super long. Even if it's a guy that comes up and wants to talk Survivor? He needs to understand that if there's a cute girl on the other side of me, it's a limited window for conversation. But <laughs> um, I think that I'm always for talking about it. I love it when I get stopped and people want to have a conversation. And in a bar, all the better. I'm all for it. Okay. Uh, let's go with a question from Andy Bales wants to know, Hey Malcolm, what's your favorite kind of whiskey? Well, see, all right, you always have Jameson around the house cause it's cheap and it's smooth and it's easy to drink and you can give it to other people and that's okay. If you're out and you're having a nice cocktail, uh, and you don't actually want to pick something upper tier, go for maker's mark. If you actually are going to go for something fancy though, Knob Creek doesn't really count as fancy. Look for Hudson House. It's a small distillery out of New York. No, you guys love that. Um, really small distillery. They do small batch stuff, but Hudson House, or not Hudson House. Hudson, shoot, now I'm saying the name of a restaurant near me and not the name of the whiskey. It's Hudson something near New York. Look it up. It's absolutely fantastic. Okay. And if you need to correct that, you have an unsuspended Twitter account. Uh, yes, and I should also mention at this point that they use it in the Pineapple Rita from Outback Steakhouse. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. All right, let's uh, – yeah, we got a, a little bit of time left. Sure. Um, let's play a game. Okay, so uh, we've been we've working – play a game. Okay, we're, we're working on a uh, – we worked on a game uh, this week for you because we knew you were, you were coming in. Um, and let's – so this week, I don't know if you, if you saw this or not um, – CBS created a a photo gallery on CBS.com. Okay? okay? And the photo gallery was called Survivor Hotties. Okay? I did not see that. And so <laughs> the photo gallery was a bunch of they took a bunch of survivors from over the course of the of the seasons and they said, "Okay, this is the gallery. These are the Survivor Hotties." And so uh there were we were going to play originally like is this person a survivor hottie or not but we felt like the, the list Tinder was a little survivor it was a little it was, yeah <laughs> swipe left so we were going to uh do that but then we said let's drill down a little bit there were comments on the pictures that people oh. were able to comment on the survivor hotties so malk we're going to give you the a real comment and a fake comment from the photo gallery on cbs.com <laughs> and i want you to tell me which is real and which is fake okay Okay. Wait, so for who? I'm going to give you the people. And oh, you're, you're going to give okay. me a person. All right. Okay. Here we go. Uh, all right. Real <laughs> real or fake? Okay. I'll give you two. You tell me which one is right. We'll Got s- it. Okay. Let's start here with Ozzy. Okay. Okay. Real or fake? Okay. Number one. I'll give you no, no particular order. Okay. Number one. I want Ozzy to climb me like a coconut tree. LOL. Hey, that's my waiter from last night. Okay? That's all one comment. That's one that, <laughs> okay. that's that's one comment. And then okay, and now here's the second comment. Yeah. OMG. Uh other than that, he has got to be one of the best faces I have ever seen. Other than that. Yeah. Right. Uh, the uh, I'm sorry. That the uh the too bad he's a perv in real life. Other than that, he's got to be one of the best faces I've ever seen. <laughs> Sorry. The important first part. Okay. Perv or waiter from last night. All right. I think let's say the perv one is real and climbing the coconut tree is fake. Uh, 
And that is correct. Yeah, that's, one for one. Sorry, Oz. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. Uh, okay, so let's let's see. Okay. Um, all right. So let's. Uh, okay. How about let's go to poverty? Okay. Oh God. Okay. Okay. Poverty. Um, so real or fake? Okay. Number one. Um, so hot on TV and in person, so sweet. Canadians love her. Okay? Okay. <laughs> and number number two, Parvati always looked beautiful at tribal councils with no makeup. She doesn't have S-word on Danny, though, or Brenda. Oh. Let's go with... Because Canada is such like a strong survivor stronghold. Whatever the Canada one was real, and the one no shit on Brenda or Danny is f- fake. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, that's correct. I feel so. I feel so lost. This. I feel so lost without the bell. <laughs> okay, uh, let's do. All right, let's do one more. Let's do one more. One more. Okay, this is uh, on Malcolm himself. Okay. Oh wait, I was on this. Yes, you were one of the. You, that's why we're doing it. You, you didn't were, mention that. Well, I figured, <laughs> I, figured you, I figured you knew, but you must have an inactive Twitter that my, didn't my know. My Twitter's been suspended. Who knows what's going on? Okay. I didn't know. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, all right. Here we go. Um, real or fake? You're laughing. Right? Okay. <laughs> here we go. Um, all right. Number one. WTF? Is Malcolm even that cute? Worst amigo. Eddie, heart symbol, heart symbol, heart symbol, hashtag dog bar. <laughs> or he blew it. <laughs> he blew it. He should have banged Angie when he had the chance, which is real and which is fake. <laughs> I love that all my comments are negative. <laughs> Either way, there's nothing good's going to come out of this. One of those is real and one of those is fake. Uh, let's... Uh, so now you have to take in what percent the chances are of a heterosexual male getting on the Survivor Hotties list and writing that I should have banged Angie when I had the chance. Yeah. That's what this comes down to. Yes. <laughs> which is which is it? Uh, Angie one is real. The Eddie heart heart dog bar one is fake. That's absolutely correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, the internet. Yeah. Oh boy! Uh, so let me see. I think I got a couple more uh, questions for you. Let me take. Let me take one from uh, Dan Heaton. Wanted to know. So that means you wrote hashtag dog bar. I did not. I did <laughs> oh, not. Okay. I did not write those. <laughs> All right. uh, Spencer is in a similar situation to yours in Caramon. Uh He has an idol, but doesn't have the numbers. Should he be proactive with his idol or sit back and wait for an opportunity? So what? What does he do with this idol now? I'm glad we've come back to this because my answer was so wishy washy on the last time we talked about it. Give and us I the definitive answer. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't really have a great one. He's so he's at six three. He's got an idol, and everyone has to consider him the biggest threat in that minority alliance. Now, what I would hope he could do because I want him to pull something off would be to get to seven by himself if you think that six is going to skip together and again I don't know the dynamics if he can get to seven and have Tosh and Jeremiah be I keep saying Tosh it's Tasha Tasha and Jeremiah knocked out before him then all of a sudden seven he's sitting in the middle of like this crumbling six alliance he'd probably have to use the idol to get there I think he's playing it for himself he needs to be self-interested at this point I don't think there's any 
honor or a long-term solution by playing one idol for a member of his alliance. Now, if he goes find that Tyler Perry thing, then I'm going to be upset on principle, but then the situation changes. But right now, with one idol and two allies, I think you have to be self-interested and find a way to get yourself to be the last one of that group. Sit in that seven spot with the six, and you could probably, hopefully, do something from there. Did you get annoyed when he opened the idol and then it said, this is a normal idol? Oh, no, sitting there hoping, please say it's a normal idol. Like, yes, it's a normal idol. I mean, I, it's sad that we have to make that distinction now, but <laughs> I, was, I was very glad that, I don't even know, I don't know how they're going to, are they going to give clues for the Tyler Perry idol, or they're going to, I have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know. Peric later wants to know, uh, Otis and Rob discussed it on the Survivor Know-It-Alls about early juror voters setting the tone for the final votes. Being on the jury twice, did you feel that you were influenced by early jurors or did you see others getting influenced by early jurors? Well, one time you came in the jury in the, at the end and, and one time you came in the jury at the beginning. beginning. So um, is that a real thing? Do the first couple people on the jury say, okay, this is we're setting the tone for how the rest of the season is going to go? And if that is the case, did you find that to be true in Philippines when you got to the jury and the jurors like, okay, well, this is how it's going to go. This is who we like. This is who we don't like. Uh, I think that, I mean, let's not, it's all right. Well, Survivor, of course, like in production, if you know, like you're behind the scenes stuff, everyone goes to Ponderosa and you spend like a week and a half together there if you're the first couple people. And I, in an ideal world, you're not supposed to talk about it. But the fact is, you're sitting there drinking rum cocktails for a week and a half. You're going to talk about it. What pineapple Ritos? Uh, no, our hap cocktails. <laughs> We're, we don't. We've hit our, our Outback Steakhouse plugs. Um, anyways, I think that it uh, obviously gets talked about. Uh, oddly, in both of my seasons, uh, very decisive winners, which is becoming a pattern as of late. It feels like even with Tyson, but like mm-hmm. both everyone knew Cochran was going to win. Everyone knew Denise was going to win. Um, I think that people. Philippines was close, ish. One six one one. Uh, was it six one one? Yeah, uh, not so much. But no. and then even those, I was kind of a surprise. And I don't want to use specific examples, but there are people who want to have that effect. I think there's jurors that want to feel like they're still so involved. Yeah, especially I think early jurors want to feel like they're so involved that they try to influence you. And I don't think it has a massive net effect to be honest Mm -hmm. or at least it didn't in my case or in any uh examples that i know of i think that i've experienced people trying to talk you into things what do you think of this but what about this but then they do that and i don't think it affects it to a really large degree would be my answer there are people who try and i don't think it affects it Patrick Butcher wants to know, who will fall into the stereotype of the older woman who gets ripped apart by the jury, such as Lisa, (laughs) Cass or Trish? Who's more likely to be there at the end, but then just get obliterated by the jury? Uh, You know, it seems like a lot of the people that have uh, tough feelings towards Trish are gone now. I mean, it was really the Lindsay dynamic for a while there that was the driving force of her potentially not being... Uh, the everyone's favorite person. So I think if Cass gets to the end, especially, I mean, if you've listened to anything I've said so far, you knew this was going to be my answer. I think Cass is going to get, if she makes it, I think she gets ripped. What if Cass takes her teeth out? <laughs> I mean, I think since I don't believe she has a dentures or anything, so if she takes like a torch to her teeth and like a side, <laughs> now I need the million dollars, maybe, maybe you swayed my vote, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe Mastentat, 
I'm butchering this. Uh, Joe Mastentuano wants to know, do you think that being athletic is more of a handicap for someone uh, than being uh, charismatic and cunning? What I mean is that you're a player who played a cunning social game as well as being very likable. Does being athletic actually help you when you're already equipped in Survivor or is it a thing that makes you such a target uh, that makes your obvious other strong attributes heightened to everybody else? Okay, so... Let's let's say hypothetically, Malcolm, you in before you go on Survivor, you real you let yourself go, okay? And now let's let's put uh, Fat Malcolm on the island. You're everything <laughs> you're still the same person, yeah. But now you're you know you're not and you're not a guy that people say, oh, I bet he's an athletic guy. Now you're Fat Malcolm, okay? Does yeah. Fat Malcolm have a better chance at Survivor? And again, this is like and everybody, this is the first time, so right. you don't have to sure. men in black anybody's minds, right? Okay. Does Fat Malcolm have a better chance to win Survivor? Short answer, yes. I think so. I think it doesn't come down to being athletic. Mm-hmm. It's the perception of being athletic. That's the what you re- always have to remember that everything's about perception. I think we just figured out your all-star strategy. I just, I'm just going to start eating. <laughs> Give me three <laughs> months notice. Last time I worked out hard for three weeks or three months. Now I'm just going to eat. Donuts and cake. Outback Steakhouse. Here we I'm come. Sorry, just a lot of uh, pineapple Ritas. <laughs> um, anyway, I think that the perception of being a fit male works against you. You see somebody like uh, Parvati is a great example. Won a ton of challenges. Can sit there and do all the yoga stuff and zone out and do all those endurance things for indefinite amounts of time and beat the big. If she's out there against James, James has no chance in half the competitions. But yet James is comes off as threatening just from stereotypes that come from both the game and society. So fit males do get uh, looked upon negatively post-merge immediately. And it's really – it's I mean that's the nature of the game. And that's the perception. And that's – I mean Survivor is a social experiment. That's the way it goes. But they don't necessarily have an advantage I don't think especially post-merge because they become less physical to make it an even playing field for – uh, weaker, slimmer, you know, females. This is what we need to do. We need to do like a survivor quantum leap, and so we need to play out Survivor Caramoan, and let's quantum leap and put Cochrane's brain in Eddie's body, <laughs> and then put Eddie's brain in Cochrane's body, and then I need to see how this is all going to play out. Oh, this is terrible. So Cochrane's brain. Can you imagine like Cochrane <laughs> with eight pack abs, like still sitting there, like being self deprecating? Yes, because like- it's still Cochrane's brain. <laughs> He's sitting there talking about well, no, now Cochran's sitting there talking about Julia being vanilla. Who goes further in the game? That Eddie, Eddie and Cochran's body, or Cochran and Eddie's body? Cochran and oh wait, yeah, Cochran and Eddie's body. Because if you put Cochran's brain, wait, you put Eddie's brain in Cochran's body. Now you just have sunburned like <laughs> Eddie sitting there talking to Hope about we're the hottest ones out here. <laughs> I'm going to open a dog bar with a million dollars. Like what the hell is this kid? <laughs> I feel like that's a very interesting survivor philosophical question. I, I would like people to tell me in the comments who does who does better in Survivor Caramoan, the quantum leaped Cochrane in Eddie's body or Eddie, Eddie in, in Cochrane's body? body. <laughs> that's a very interesting question. Uh, I would love to see Cochran's body having the ego of Eddie hitting on Hope on the 
New <laughs> Flair's Beach the first day. Yeah, I, I think an attitude is everything. I bet. I bet that you know Eddie's brain in in, Co- in Cochran's body wouldn't do, do half bad. Do you get Cochran's mannerisms though, like the hand waving and like the slouching? And the <laughs> no, no, that would be in the Eddie body. That would be in the Eddie body. So Eddie would be sitting there like I'm going to open a I'm going to open a dog bar, but he's doing it with yes. hand gestures. Well, no, that, that would be. No, because co- the part of the brain that says I'm going to open a dog bar would be in the Cochrane body. Oh, so Eddie's – this is too confusing. Leave, leave it to the user, the listeners. Okay. <laughs> My brain's starting to hurt. All right. Uh, <laughs> Malk, I think you did a fantastic job here today. This was this was great to get here with you in person and talk talk about this. I see you have the Mr. Survivor belt. Still, I mean, I don't usually take it off, so it wasn't like a real. I didn't have to go find it or anything. I've gotten from people; they've said uh, we were promised a lot of pictures of of you with the Mister Survivor belt, and they feel like they were very happy with the picture they got, but they feel like it was not. Yeah, it, it, they have not been. It's not been a tsunami of Mister Survivor belt pictures. Yeah, I'd like to address this now that we've opened the forum. Yes, if I gave you a tsunami of. It, I would spoil the fun. I have this for a calendar year. Calendar I'm not year, gonna, like blow our load too early. Men, you need to learn about this. You pace yourself. <laughs> you don't want to shoot the entire wad too soon. I'm pacing myself. I promise there will be more. They will be better. They will be glorious and fantastic and mind blowing. But we're pacing ourselves. Don't worry. There will be more, and it'll be like a surprise when you get them instead of an expected thing. Okay. Yeah, you got to keep people on their toes. Yeah, like, I don't want to spoil you. Just like Spencer in the challenge, you got to <laughs> keep everybody on their toes for a very long amount of time. Yeah, extrapolate the Survivor Challenge to Survivor <laughs> pictures. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, um, Malcolm, fantastic job. What's what's next for you? What, what are you up to these days? Got a couple tricks up my sleeve, and most of the time it's just keeping Gotham safe at night. So oh, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's basically what it's what goes on. All right, fantastic. <laughs> All right, well, Malcolm, thank you so much. My pleasure, anytime. And follow the unsuspended <laughs> at <laughs> Malcolm WHW on Twitter. All right. Thanks a lot, buddy. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. That was Malcolm Freeberg here on Robin's Podcast. And now I am back home after recording my interview with Malcolm. Thought Malcolm was was very good. My brother, very taken with Malcolm. Thought Malcolm was a great great guy. My brother does not watch The Survivor, but he's now a, a Malcolm fan. And that is why he is Mr. Survivor. So, Coming up next, we are going to do our This Week in Survivor History. Over the course of the last few weeks, this guy, Jordan Kalish, has been following and going back into the history books for every week of things that were happening on Survivor over the past 14 years. And he's back once again to tell us about another huge week in Survivor history. Let's welcome back in Jordan Kalish. Jordan, are you there? I'm here, Rob. How's it going? Oh, Jordan, it's going fantastic. And you told you emailed me during the week. Last week, you know, wasn't such a huge week in Survivor history. But you said, uh, basically, you called me up and said, This is huge. And said, oh, so we had to get uh, all the huge moments for this week. Yes, this is by far, and I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but this one has eclipsed it as the biggest week in Survivor history that I've come across while writing this blog. It's really, this is huge, and you'll see why when we start going through the different events that happened uh, this week in Survivor history. Okay, so the second week in April in Survivor history. What a what a huge week. All right, take us through the time machine. <laughs> 
So uh, the first uh, the first event that we definitely need to talk about, uh, 2001, going all the way back to Survivor Australia, this was the famous flood scene. And uh, if, if you remember, they had a big rainstorm. Uh, Colby actually had gone on an immunity. He had won the immunity challenge. He was on a trip. But the rest of the tribe comes back and they see that their camp is flooded. The rice that they actually had traded their tarp for um, the week earlier, uh, the rice was gone. They had no food. So they were really just completely, completely devastated at this point um, to see that their whole life basically at camp is destroyed. Yeah. This was actually pretty good because it was like two things. It was like one, like Survivor Australia gets kind of boring after Jerry goes home. And Mm. so this at least provided some excitement. I guess Amber gets voted out there in that episode. Uh, Amber was actually the previous episode. Oh, oh, no, 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 you're right. This is the Amber. Yeah, Amber does does get voted out in this episode. It was actually Nick Brown in the uh, previous episode. Okay, so this then, and so then at least it was like, oh my God, they're really out there. It's a real excitement. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think this this episode and last episode really played together nicely because you have the fact that they ran out of food. So you see they're starving last week and now this week they're they're in a flood. And there's actually a great scene. I think the most memorable part of this is since Colby wasn't there, Colby would probably have been he was like the, you know, the camping guy, the leader who would probably go out and try to find the rice. But it was actually Tina who went out and saved the rice and I think that maybe had some uh some play into the fact that she won the game. Yeah, made Keith look like a little bit of a p-word there. Uh, that yes. Tina had to go out and get the get the rice. What was the date on that Australia flood? That was uh, April twelfth, two thousand one. April twelfth, two thousand one. All right, good times. All right, what else happened on this week in Survivor history? Okay, so now we go to April eleventh. Uh, so almost exactly a year later. So uh, this is uh, Survivor Marquesas. All right, set time uh, circuits for April eleventh, two thousand and two. Yes, great, Scott. Uh, this is, uh, Boston Rob getting voted out of Survivor Marquesas and he was actually the merge boot. Um, and he didn't even make the jury. You know, we talk a lot about Boston Rob on this podcast and I don't know if we talk that much about the pre all-stars Boston Rob, but I was super bummed out when Boston Rob got voted out on Survivor Marquesas. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, even though he didn't necessarily go far in the game, you could tell that he knew how to play Survivor. I mean, he had some great confessionals. He had a lot of really good observations about his tribe. And it's it's too bad that, um, I mean, at the time I thought it was too bad that we didn't get to see more of him. Little did I know he'd, he'd play three more seasons after that and eventually win the game. Yeah, now that was my fate. That was my guy, Boston Rob. Yeah, I mean he he was he was definitely the one I was rooting for in that season too. I mean I I, I do like uh, Kathy Vavrik O'Brien a lot. I do like Vesepia, but he was the biggest character of that season despite not going all that far. Um, and he was actually taken down by that uh, that Rotu Four Alliance. The um, that would I believe starting next week they would uh, they start to get kicked out of the game one by one. But at the time they were still strong and they voted out Boston Rob, who was yeah. the biggest threat. Yeah, I remember saying like, well, now who am I going to root for? Yeah. Uh, and who, who, did, who, who did you end up rooting for after Boston Rob got voted out? I guess Kathy. Yeah, I, I think she she was the other breakout character, I think. All right. What's next on the time machine? Okay, this is a big one. This is a season you know a lot about going all the way back to April 10th, 2003, 11 years ago. Uh, this is the vote to get Dina uh, out of Survivor Amazon. And I believe you called uh, you on the season. You called it a mob hit because uh, Alex thought 
you know, Alex thought he had the votes to get Dina, which he eventually did. Dina thought that she had the votes to get Alex and you knew you were in the middle and you kind of were the one who got to decide who went home that night. Yeah, it was the classic that this person thinks they're getting voted out. This person thinks they're getting voted out and sort of like all the people in the middle were sort of the uh, deciders and feel bad about Dina. Dina was a very, very underrated Survivor player. I think the funniest moment there is the gross food competition happens in that episode. Dina thought she was completely safe and then she ultimately doesn't end up eating the really disgusting thing that Matthew sort of like swallows in one bite and then feels like imitates it like crawling down his stomach and which is really really gross and ultimately <laughs> dina ends up getting voted out there and it's just you know even as no matter how safe you are it's always good to have immunity oh yeah i mean this this was a, a big time blindside she thought that you were with matt that you were getting the votes from matt and butch to vote out alex um but i mean even if even if she thought that she might be in trouble was there any way she was going to beat matt in that challenge no no absolutely not he swallowed mm-hmm. he swallowed like this giant centipede in one bite Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how he did that. And talked about he, all day how he could feel it still moving in his stomach. <laughs> that's that's terrible. Yeah, and that was a turning point for Matthew also because I felt like that was when Matthew went from being a guy that we were just like, who is this lunatic, to somebody that was like, he was our lunatic. Then after that, mm-hmm. yeah, and he w- was there any chance of Butch and Matt not doing what you kind of told them to do during that uh that tribal council or, or no were, were that they was vote? the episode i believe the title was the chain that was yes. the whole the whole thing about how i was telling matthew what the plan was which was allegedly coming from alex and then uh then matthew would tell butch the plan and nobody was you know you weren't allowed to talk to anybody above you because it was a chain so mm-hmm. um you know all, all very fun stuff all right what else do you have Okay, I have uh, April 8th, 2004. This is 10 years ago, Tuesday. And this is really the, uh, the, the moment in Survivor history we wanted to talk about. Um, just to set the scene, the previous week, uh, there, there was a tribe swap. Boston Rob and Amber were split uh, on, on opposite tribes. Uh, uh, Amber's tribe lost immunity. And after the challenge, Rob went up to Lex and said that if he saved Amber that night, uh, Rob would take care of Lex once the merge hit. So they merge the next episode and Rob has a confessional where he says it's, it's all a game. He's been playing a game the whole time and he lets Lex know before tribal council that he's sticking with his tribe. He's sticking with Amber and uh, um, I believe uh, Big Tom was in that alliance and he was going to get rid of Lex. I think this is in a lot of ways the most important thing that ever happens on Survivor. I I have to agree too. I mean, it really uh, set the boundary between uh, friends and they, they would do a lot of returning player seasons since then between do you stick with your friends or do you stick with what's best for your own interests in the game? And obviously Lex and Boston Rob had very different philosophies on this. And it's a thing where, you know, 12 years later, I guess, how many, what was this from 2000 and, uh, no, it's this 10, was like, no, this 10, 10, 10 years ago, later. Yeah. So this is the 10 year anniversary of this Yes, still. Uh, and I will also say, I think Tony even agrees with me that, this is huge. This is huge. And I don't think that there will ever be a more contentious moment in the history of this show. I think this is very important. <clears throat> I can't even really articulate why, but it is. And it's still controversial. And uh, these people, like Boston Rob and Lex, will, are never going to be friends. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's 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 really crazy. I mean, this is this game just brings out so many different kind of emotions in people. And if you go back to to Survivor Africa, I mean, Lex was the one who was probably doing the most strategizing. So Lex knows it's a game, but I mean, I guess when you're friends outside the game and you come in and you're playing, you assume that you're, you're, you're gonna, your friends are going to stick with you. But in, the, in this case, it didn't happen. Well, and I mean, I'm sure it also had a lot to do with the fact that Boston Rob and Amber were kind of falling in love out there. Yeah. Um, and you can also but, get into the Lex in the conversations that he has with Ethan and, you know, about how, hey, this is just business. This is this is not about the game. And, and, you know, and the way that they get rid of Ethan in that season, the way Boston Rob breaks it to Lex sort of echoes a lot of what Lex says to Ethan, but it does not go over uh, as well. And it happens no. all in one episode. Like, it's <laughs> oh, yeah. that's the, the really crazy thing about this. Yeah, and that, that's a good point. That I, and it's actually something that I wrote about a couple weeks ago. Actually, in my I, no, I'm sorry, I, I'm wrong about that. It happens that the you know uh, save her or you know look out for her, and I'll look out for you. Whatever he says, that actually yeah, that happens, the and then Jerry episode. gets voted out, and then they decide to go ahead and and go ahead with this crazy plan. And then as soon as they get there, Lex is like, "All right, I'm really eager to talk to Rob." It's like, "Okay, uh, Rob's not really talking to me. I feel like something's up." And yeah. Then, he, he, yeah. Exactly. And then he has that big conversation. It's actually uh, not only Lex and Boston Rob, you have Kathy there too. Uh, Kathy, Devastated. of course, yes, because she's, she's crying. She originally wants to give her immunity necklace. She had one individual immunity. She wants to give it to Lex to save him. Turns out that that didn't happen. But yeah. uh, well, that was I mean, the I, worst part in the edit where Kathy's like, you know what? I don't want to play with this game with these people anymore because he, this was a, he, he was a mean person. And, and Lex is like, well, thank you. Thank you, Kathy. You're a good friend. Friend. you're a good friend uh-huh. and then jeff Pro's like all right does anybody want to give the immunity necklace Kathy, i think i'm gonna keep it and lex is like oh and yeah it's like I, raining and, the, and it's, it looks like stares, uh stares, so terrible stares her down yeah yeah and I, I think the really the uh the best quote that sums it up is when kathy's crying and this is part of their conversation she said there's no friends in this game and you know what she, she's right people they may they, you make alliances you make relationships and you might like somebody but i mean you have you have to do what you have to do to get to the end of the game except when you get married to somebody that you meet in the game that that is definitely true. <laughs> Family first. Uh, yeah, I watched this episode about so sometime last year. I watched this, and it's uh, it's still riveting. Still riveting. Ten years later. Yes. Fantastic job. All right. What else happened on this week in Survivor history? That, that has to be it, right? Nothing else could happen in this week in Survivor history. You you'd be surprised. There are actually a, a bunch more huge moments uh, on this week in Survivor history. So now we go to April seventh, two thousand five. Um, we talked about the Ulang tribe a couple weeks ago, the fact that they were a terrible tribe. They lost every immunity challenge. Um, so now they're down to two people. They lose another immunity challenge. So Bobby, John and Stephanie go to tribal council and, um, Jeff, uh, you know, just kind of making fun of them a little bit saying that they keep losing. Uh, and finally he tells them that instead of a vote, because obviously they can't vote, uh, they have to vote for the other person. It's going to be a tie. They have a fire making challenge at tribal council to decide who gets to stay in the game. Yeah, that was exciting. Cause that was sort of in, we were in survivor first territory of, we had never had a tribe get down to two people. And no. it was like, well, what are they going to do? And Stephanie and Bobby John, because that's how reality TV works. Whoever is the, are the losers. Those are the people that we love and people love Stephanie so much because she was oh, yeah. the ultimate loser, but she was the ultimate try hard of, you know, she was like the one person who was good on this tribe full of people who suck. 
and people loved Stephanie. She was the most popular player. Bobby John then sort of had like the halo effect that they both come back for Guatemala. And so how did the fire making challenge go? Well, they, uh, it, it actually was a very quick challenge. And I don't know if it was the editing or if, if it was just a really easy fire making challenge, but Stephanie got her fire really quick, which uh, it was, I think everyone really thought Bobby John was going to win because he had been the provider around camp the whole throughout the season. But Stephanie gets her fire first. She lights the torch and it, it was over. And what I really liked about this, they could have had Stephanie go the, to the back to the Karor camp. But of course they had her uh, go back to uh, Oolong and sleep by herself one more night at, at camp. And then this is the only season without a merge because I believe it was the next day they just, um, the the Karor tribe basically acri- uh, acquired her and that was sort of a merge, but really more of, uh, of, of her just getting dissolved into that tribe. Yeah. Bobby John, really nice guy too. I met him a couple times. Oh, really? Okay. He, yeah, right. he seems he seems like a nice guy. So that's it then. Then that, that was it for this week in Survivor history, right? Uh, there is more. No. There is, yes, there is a lot, a lot more, a lot more to talk about. And this is really um, April 10th, 2008, uh, Micronesia. This is six years ago, and it is the Eliza playing Ozzy's fake immunity stick uh, that Jason gave to her. Jason Siska. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, it's the great moment where she he's like, oh, I've got an idol for you. And he gives it to her and she's like, hey, this is an effing stick. Yeah, exa- exactly. She, You know what? Jason actually told her. <laughs> Jason was like, everything's good. I have an idol. If I win immunity, I'll give it to you. So Jason wins the individual immunity challenge. Uh, he tells Eliza, OK, I, Eliza goes to him actually is like, OK, I need this hidden immunity. They're going to vote for me. So he was like, everything's cool. I'm, I'm going to put it in your bag. So she is so happy. She finds it in the bag. And the first thing she, she says when she takes it out is it's, it's just a napkin with a stick in it. So she thinks that Jason's screwing with her. So she like storms down to the beach where Jason is. And like, what is, she's like, what are you trying to pull? Because she thinks that Jason is trying to pull one over on her. But really, Jason actually thought that this stick was a real immunity idol. And he thought it was real because Ozzy had drawn a face on it. Yeah. And... <laughs> But ultimately, she she plays it, though, still. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, she plays it, and she explains why she played it. Uh, she wanted to out Ozzy for having the actual idol, which worked. And you know what? Ozzy does get blindsided the next week. Okay. So uh, I guess her, her plan to uh, kind of get back at Ozzy for that worked, but she still gets voted out um, in the process. And, um, I, I th- and you know, they, Ozzy had a lot of fun with it at uh, – at that tribal council before the, the one before he gets voted out, he's kind of laughing and he's kind of pissed when Jeff throws in the fire because he said he spent a lot of time on it. I think we've passed an era where people make up a fake idol and try to trick people. I feel like when was the last time that that happened where people made a fake idol? Because was it Gabon? Because I think it I was think Gabon, the, bo- had, like, the one that Bob made. <laughs> yeah, we sort of have like this middle ages of Survivor where you have uh, Ozzy makes the fake idol here. Does Yao Man make a fake <laughs> idol also? Yao Man does make a fake one. It's actually a really good looking. You know, Yao Man and Bob's were both. And Bob both makes a fake like they one. And yeah, then, they, they both looked real. So it's like season. What is it? Uh, is that 17. season 14, 16, 17? People yeah. are making fake idols all the time. We get the season 18. No more fake idols. No, no. Season 18, you just have these uh, exile island alliances that don't end up doing anything. Yeah. It was like once we got to the Russell Hance era, the, the era of the fake idol was over. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, now I guess the move is pretending you have an idol, but that's different. Like, but you had Papa Bear pretending it was in his pants and then you had right. uh, Abby, Abby Maria pretending she was having, she had an idol, but I, I don't know why people don't try this again. I think if you, if you get it, it, it doesn't work if it's a stick, but if you get like beads or something, I think uh, Bob actually said he took it off on, off the top of the, uh, was it the tribe flag or something? I think if you can make something that looks real, it's probably going to work. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I think the move, if you have the fake idol, is to sort of like show it to people. Like, hey, I got the fake. I got this. I got the idol. So you're good. We're good, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then you sort of show it to people, but you never really try to give it to people. I think that's where people get in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So then let's talk about. Uh, uh, give us uh, something else that happened this week in Survivor history. Okay, so this this you actually covered with uh, Josh Wiggler last week. This is uh, one of his top 10 moments in Survivor history. This is Matt Elrod coming back into the game, winning that uh, Redemption Island challenge, and then at the end of the episode, getting blind, blindsided by the same the same people that he got that blindsided him the second episode. Yes, this is what I like to call the Matt Elrod hokey pokey. Yes. You put your Elrod <laughs> in, you put your Elrod out. <laughs> exactly. All right. And... He unfortunately wouldn't return the next time. Unfortunately. All right. Anything else? Wait, hold, hold up, bro. Because I have another uh, top 10 moment in Survivor history, according to Josh Wiggler. And this is uh, Malcolm getting Reynolds to play the idol for him when he already had his own idol. And this you guys also covered pretty heavily a couple uh, last week uh, when you were doing the, um, the top 10 moments in Survivor history. Oh, my God. What a huge week in Survivor history. Jordan, uh, outstanding work going back into the history books and pulling all this stuff out. Thank you, Rob. I've had a lot, I've had a lot of fun with it. It's it's really fun looking back at uh at these big mo- this these huge moments. <laughs> Very all all huge. Well, Jordan, thank you so much, and uh, keep up the good work. And by the way, if you want to read more about all of these moments, Jordan's blog is going to be up on robhaswebsite.com. You can check out his weekly this week in Survivor history blog uh, in the blog section on robhaswebsite.com. Yep, uh, definitely. Please, uh, please check it out. Uh, I hope you guys uh, enjoy reading it. Real quick, do you want you want to talk about a famous survivor that retweeted your blog from last week? Oh yes, uh, this this was um, last week in Survivor history. So I guess you could say previously on this week in Survivor history, um, Lisi Linares was voted out of Survivor Fiji, and Lisi Linares is of course more famous for writing her song "Tidy Whities" than actually uh, being on Survivor. But um, so I actually had, had talked about the fact that she was used and abused by her experience on Survivor Fiji, uh, because that's, of course, the famous line from her song. So she quoted me in the blog. Uh, I said, have you been used and abused? Um, Lisi Linares was by her entire experience on Survivor. So she quoted me and then said, that's hilarious and true. Hilarious and true. There you go. Uh, and Jordan, do you want to speak to the rumors that a lot of people are saying that you are actually Spencer Bledsoe? Yes, I mean, I've I've seen this in the comment section of the two previous uh, podcasts that I've been on. I don't hear th- I don't hear the similarities in our voices, but apparently a lot of people do. There is a little bit of a conspiracy theory that maybe I was Spencer using an alias. But no, Spencer is a different person um, and I have never been on Survivor. But I feel like that's what Spencer would say if he was trying to get us not to think this was Spencer. That that is true. Maybe maybe there's something to it. Uh, all right, Jordan. Well, this is going to be a real a real riddle to try to crack this one. But uh, you keep us posted uh, the next time we have another huge week. Okay, I will. And every every week's a huge week in Survivor history, Rob. <laughs> Except in the summer. 
Yes. Actually, you have true. the first survivor that took place yeah, in the Borneo, summer. Yeah, Borneo, uh, yeah. And Jordan, give us your Twitter handle if people want to remind you of any famous moments. It is at Jordan Kalish, uh, J-O-R-D-A-N-K-A-L-I-S-H. All right, very good. Very straightforward. I like that. Yes, thank you. All right, Jordan, have a great week, okay? Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was Jordan Kalish this week in huge moments in Survivor history. So we're going to get to Jeff Pittman next. But first, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode. And those are our friends over at DraftKings.com. Now, for those of you guys who are playing fantasy baseball, listen up. Because on opening day this year, the people at DraftKings, they awarded over half a million dollars in cash prizes in one day. And there's much more to come. That's why you got to be checking out DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-day fantasy sports site. People are winning hundreds, thousands, and even $1 million on DraftKings watching their favorite sport and playing some fantasy. People are winning on their first time ever playing as much as $100,000. So DraftKings is your for your one-day fantasy sports. That means no season-long commitments, and this would be perfect for Cass because that would be chaos to draft a new team every every day. You wouldn't have to be stuck in an alliance. Uh, no being stuck with players, just instant cash every day. It's easy. Pick a team in minutes. Any sports fan can do it. So right now, you could play for free to win real cash. Enter ROB at DraftKings.com and get free entry into another huge contest. This is huge. They're awarding over $400,000 in cash prizes. I needed that. Uh, 400 grand. Free spots are going quick, so enter ROB now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, everybody, we have a very special treat for you today. Joining us to talk about the voicemails that you guys have sent in and listen to what the survivors are saying on social media. Here he is from True Dork Times, the one and only Jeff Pittman. Hey, Rob. How's it going? Uh, It's going fantastic, Jeff. How are you doing? Very good, thanks. Yeah, Jeff was with he did the voicemails with us in uh, during Survivor Blood versus Water, and I want to say, are you the first repeat voicemail person? Am I? I don't know. Are we back to the top well, of the order? Definitely not, because Nicole's done it twice, well, right? Uh, other than Nicole, <laughs> other than the first lady of podcasting, maybe. Yeah. So Jeff, I wanted to uh, just sort of get some broad strokes picture from you on survivor kagayan what's your take on this season you you love it right yeah i'm loving it i even i was just thinking about last night's episode i really like last night's episode it was really fun and that was despite the fact that nothing really all that out of the ordinary happened like spencer found an idol that he didn't really need they voted out the person that was probably next to go anyway yeah, I felt like they really made something out of nothing with last night's episode. I feel like it was a very a very good episode, and they were able to sort of turn that whole idol sequence into something, and then you have the whole unpredictability uh, with Cass, and so I felt like they were able to turn it into a good episode. I do have to say I'm a little, a little worried that we could be in the midst of a paganging right now and not realize it. Pagong stealth mode. <laughs> we could be in a stealth mode paganging and not realize it. Which I guess if we don't realize we're in a paganging, I guess it's not that bad. Uh, I guess. As long as we're happy. 
as long as we're happy. I mean, I kind of feel like even if we were in the midst of a pagonging and then we had like sort of like a double elimination somewhere along the way and then we got down to this group with Tony and Cass and that ends up being the final six. If we had like a, you know, if we had three weeks of that drawn out and of course uh, we would hate to lose Spencer like that. But if that's what happens, then uh, if we could just sort of shorten that down from three weeks to two weeks and then uh, I think it would be very interesting when they got to six. Well, I, I don't think they can do a double boot. They don't have enough people left. But apart from that, yeah, as long as as long as they're keeping it interesting with with the characters that they have. Do you think that we are in the in the midst of a Pagani? Do you think that the next three people out will be in some order? Tasha, Spencer, and Jeremiah. I hope not. <laughs> but they, they really tried to sell the opposite in the preview for the next episode. So I'm hopeful that there's. They're not just blowing smoke like they were with the Tyler Perry idol. (laughs) Yeah, I'm always a little wary with these previews because it's always the opposite of what we think is going to happen. But I do feel like that Tony is such an unstable element that I kind of feel like nothing is going to be that straightforward this season. Exactly. So I feel like he's a little too like uh, thinking outside the box for his own good. Like I think that sometimes the best survivor strategy can be a boring one. And that's why, you know, you have some of these winners that end up being, you know, a little more having a boring edit because they were like, okay, well, I have five people. I'm just going to vote out everybody else and keep my five or whatever. And that ends up being not as interesting as people like, oh, my God, I'm so paranoid. Let me jump around. And so you end up with something that's not as interesting, but probably a better strategy. And that's why Cass is great is because you don't know what she's going to do. Something bizarre could happen at Tribal Council. And she could decide it right then. What was your take on Cass after this week? Do you feel like that she's still in the mix here to maybe pull this out? Or do you think she's still dead in the water? I actually thought her chances were better before this week. Um, I wasn't all that disappointed with her her, uh, flip at the merge. But pretty clearly from what people were saying about her this week, I think her chances of winning are, are really low. Spencer just does not seem to respect her at all. And he, he essentially called her stupid and laughed at the concept that she was strategizing. <laughs> yeah, that he said it was insulting to talk strategy with her. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I did feel like, though, that I do think that she said some things that I thought were smart, though, where she talked about, hey, you're, you know, you're worried about the people at the top. Like this game is about working with the people that are at the bottom. And I felt like that was, you know, a smart thing to say on let alone be thinking so i kind of feel like uh you know i'm not totally willing to like i think there's something still here with Cass. like i don't want to say that she's like i don't want to paint her with the same brush as like a shambo as like you know she's like all over the place whatever they there is there is strategy there but i just feel like she's too all over the place to be able to really harness and stick with one strategy I agree. Like when she was discussing her reasoning for her flip, I thought that all seemed quite sensible. Actually, she she got rid of a threat. She got two guys to flush their idols, and uh, now she's in the power alliance again. Yeah, I guess where I'm saying that I feel like the lack is I don't feel like there's a master plan. I feel like she's very happy with it. Okay, I'm going to go with anybody but me, and because that worked for Sandra. 
And I'm just going to, you know, just keep not getting voted off. But I feel like at some point she needs to make a decision of this is what I want to happen as opposed to just floating by every three days and trying to, even though on paper that should get you to the end. I do feel like you need a little more forward thinking as opposed to I'm just going to do whatever is going to keep me safe at this vote that's coming up. Right. But the one thing to keep in mind about Cass is that she's a lawyer, and if she can get to the end, there's a chance that she can sell what she did to the jury. Yeah, it's possible. However, also, the two people so far on the jury are very anti-Cass. So you would, <laughs> Definitely. You yes. would think that the two people going to the, into the jury now are not going to be uh, you know, writing her name down in a winning formation anytime soon. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jeff, are you ready to jump into uh, some of the voicemails? Absolutely. Oh, but, but before I get into that, um, do you have any answers for us on things that we were trying to uh, answer earlier in the season where a lot of people were asking, is Jatia the worst Survivor player ever <laughs> and, and stuff like that? And we said we have no way to uh, quantify that. The only person who would have that information would be Jeff Pittman. Did you ever look into that at all to determine uh, where Jatia ranked in the potential worst Survivor ever rankings? I would, it, it, you can't really tell how good somebody is during the, the pre-merge phase because they're not really playing for themselves, they're playing for their tribe. So um, I don't think you can accurately say that Jutia is better or worse than anybody else who has voted out pre-merge. Okay. Do you have any rankings as to who is the best player ever? Um, the highest scores ever on my scoring system are people like, uh, JT and Token Teens, um, Tom Westman and Plow. And that just ranks one game like that. J- JT and Tom Westman played the best overall highest score in one single season. Yes. Okay. Oh, well, that's, that sounds about right. That just sort of jives with what we're thinking. Is there anybody that from your rankings that we're too low on? Um, Cass is actually doing surprisingly well this season, despite what everybody thinks of her. She has voted out the most people. She's voted out five so far, and nobody's voted against her. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how, how it goes. Uh, very interesting uh, from the uh, sabermetric point of view. Okay. Let's uh, get into some of these voicemails, because again, uh, much like last week, we have, we have so many that uh, we can jump into. So, and that's the sign of a good season, right? It's the sign of a good I think it's been a very good season. I haven't heard from anybody that this season is no good. So let's go ahead and let's start with Glenn. And he actually has an idea for another season that he had overheard from one of the current survivors. Let's hear from Glenn. Hi, Rob. It's Glenn from Vancouver, Canada. Uh, on one of uh, Lindsay's exit interviews, she floated an idea that I've actually had running around in my head for a while. And that's the idea of a survivor grudge match season where they would essentially cast 10 pairs of survivor enemies and let them battle it out. And uh, just wondering what you thought of that idea. Is it something we could ever see? And if so, uh, who do you think uh, would be some of the rivals that you'd like to see featured? I thought after last week, maybe Sarah and um, Cass would be a good pair to start with. Uh, I'd hate to see it devolve with pairs like Brandon Hans and Philip, but I think uh, overall it's a, a solid idea that could lead to some really interesting storylines. Just wondering what you would think. Thanks. All right, Jeff, what do you think of a rival season of Survivor? Is that a all-star season that you would like to see? Well, didn't we already see part of that on Caramoan with Francesca and Philip? 
Yeah, well, did you see enough there that you would say, let's do a whole season of this? Let's find 10 people. Let's bring back R.C. and Abby Maria. Uh, let's bring back... Uh, let's skip uh, Philip and Brandon Hans. But maybe... <laughs> <laughs> and let's skip Lindsay and Trish also. So do you think that that would be... I mean, no, the MTV Challenge has done stuff like this. As long as they're not putting people on just to get into fistfights with each other, I think that would be great. Yeah, you but- can't have fistfights. And as long as it's not just people that are irrationally hating each other, there there could be something there. Well, where do you draw the line on what's irrational hatred? Like, let's say you bring back Sugar and Corinne are on this season. And now, is that irrational hatred or is that rational hatred? Uh, that's hard to say. Yeah. I, I, don't I, don't, I don't see them passing it up anytime soon, so... Now, would you start? How would you play that game? Would you do sort of like a blood versus water, where you have like the ten, you have the tribe separate, and then you have some sort of a merge or a swap at some point, or do you have the five pairs of rivals on one side and five pairs of rivals on the other side? Yeah, I, th- I think you'd have to do it that way. Start off as like an anti blood versus water, where they're competing against the rivals, and then force them to live together. Yeah, because you want to have that the, the, the explosions there. And then you, will the rivals work together? Will the rivals uh, be torn apart? I like that idea for the rival season. But you know that as soon as the, the two rivals realize that they're both being cast, they're going to form a pregame alliance in every case. In every case, really? Like uh, uh, Corinne and Sugar are going to have a pregame alliance and Abby Maria and RC are going to like... You, they could try, but you know like once the game starts, they won't be able to control themselves. Like the, t- the people that... The one pair that is able to do that will win the game, but I think it would be so much fun <laughs> to see it play out. I'm I on board with it. this. I, I like this idea, even if it came from Lindsay. that was the first that was the first good idea that Lindsay's had so uh i'm on board for survivor survivor rivals um all right let's go to eric benjamin and he wants to talk i got a lot of questions this was you know i had a lot of questions about the idol and spencer's use of the idol so i think we're going to talk about that a lot here's the first of those questions from eric benjamin hey rob this is eric from atlanta georgia so in this episode spencer had both Hidden Immunity Idol, and the real Immunity Necklace. We saw him in the episode talking to Cass about flipping, but ultimately didn't work as Cass voted with Tony to vote Morgan out. Do you think it would have been a good idea if Spencer gave his Immunity Idol to Cass? If he played it off right, it would look just like a Hail Mary to get Cass to vote with them, which may or may not work, but Tony's alliance, seeing Spencer vulnerable, would probably vote for him where he could then pull out his immunity idol, protect himself, send home Tony. It would only work if he played his cards absolutely right, with a little bit of acting, but it would have been a great survivor move, and we'll, we would see how it works out for him. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this idea. All right, Jeff, I know you're on top of all of the strategy and the scenarios. So Spencer, in a bit of a unique position here, he's in the minority, has the immunity necklace, has the immunity idol, how would you have liked to have seen him play that last night? Actually, I was thinking about that. And what I would like to see somebody that has both the necklace and an idol do is pass the necklace before the vote and just dare people to to vote for them. But um, would that they, be a they, tell, they would assume They would assume that you have the hidden idol, but they don't know where you're going to play it. Hmm. 
Yeah. Well, could you do this move? Could you do like uh like what if Spencer where's the net where's the idol? I guess they could still vote for Morgan no matter what. Where it's like you know, the problem is to protect four people. There was no way to protect Morgan, and I kind of felt like that was like an acceptable loss to him to be able to protect Morgan. So I don't know if he could have done any sort of dramatic move where I'm gonna wear the wear the idol around my neck, give the necklace to Tasha, then I'm gonna hand off the idol necklace or hand off the idol to Jeremiah, but Morgan is still exposed. Yeah, I playing the idol would have gotten the numbers in their favor, but they still would have had casts in the middle. So maybe that was part of his calculation for not, not using the idol, but they wouldn't have known where they had only had a one in four chance to know actually a one in three chance to know where the votes were going. So I guess it was a 33% chance that it could have worked, but a 66% chance that it wouldn't have worked and they would have wasted the idol. And I feel like Spencer, um, just felt like I, I just need to buy myself three more days in the game. That's fair, yeah. Yeah. So I can't really nitpick what he did. I think yeah. if anything, you can say, could he have used the idol to be able to recruit Cass over to their side? I think that's where, you know, whether it's, hey, Cass, I'll get, whether it's, I'll give you the idol or I'll, let me show you the idol and earn your trust that we've seen that work before. But I think he needed to persuade Cass more than he needed to play the idol. The thing I don't get is, how is it that these two alliances are so entrenched? They were only together five days before the merge. Well, on one side, you got an alliance of numbers, and on the other <laughs> side, you got an alliance of choice, people that chose to be together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spencer's like, how is that different? How is this any different than what we did? <laughs> it's like, obviously, because we voted out Cliff Robinson, and so we chose to be in this group. But when you when you actually look at their group, they described it as a chain. I was trying to map out all the relationships between each other, and so we have we have Jeffra and LJ. Obviously, they're a pair. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffra doesn't really appear to be attached to anybody else. Then on the other side, we have Wu, Trish, and Tony. Tony and Trish seem like they're pretty tight. Tony and Wu seem like they're pretty tight, but Wu and Trish don't seem to really interact at all. And then Trish is interacting with LJ as well as Tony. Yeah. So it is really a chain. This goes Jeffra, LJ, Trish, Tony, Wu. Who's in the best spot in the chain? Trish. Interesting. She's right in the middle. Are we sleeping on Trish? I was starting to think before this episode that, that Trish would, had a really good shot at being the winner because the first two times that she and Tony went to tribal council, um, Tony had somebody that he wanted to boot that didn't happen, and Trish instead had someone that she wanted to boot, and that's the person that went. First it was Cliff, and then it was Sarah at the merge. Yeah. <clears throat> and both times it was shown that Trish was the person that was organizing everything. Now, in your mind, who had a better chain? The uh, new Solana tribe or me, Matt, and Butch in Survivor of the Amazon? Um, well, Matt got to the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's that's fair we have to see if anybody from this group gets to the end yeah yeah okay so uh let's take our next question this is from jack wants to talk more about spencer hey rob what does spencer need to do now to win does he need to go into fabio mode or just play it cool thanks bye uh does anybody need to go into fabio mode 
Wait, isn't Fabio mode when you uh, get the million dollars and then you just uh, start to party? Is that Fabio <laughs> mode? I want to go into Fabio mode. Well, what what was the in-game Fabio mode? That was that was playing it cool and just winning immunities, right? Yeah, I think that the in-game Fabio mode is have no idea what's going on and then win the last couple of immunities and then be in the end with unlikable people and say, hey, wasn't my, you know, I didn't vote you out, man. <laughs> So what's the difference between that and playing it cool? <laughs> well, I don't know if, like, again, this, it, when you say dispenser needs to go into Fabio mode, do we, are we saying he just needs to start winning every immunity? I guess so. Yeah. Um, Fabio was really never the target up until the very end where it was like, okay, well, he's not in our final three plan because he's too likable. Yeah. So I feel like Spencer and Fabio are in very different positions. But let's take it from the perspective of what does Spencer need to do here to get to the end, in your opinion? I think Spencer's best path is to try to break up that, that, uh, the new Solana alliance. But how? But how, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think probably his best bet is to, is to take Jeffrey and LJ because he has Jeremiah with him already. Mm-hmm. But do you think that they would switch over? I mean, what do they need to see to switch over? Because, you know, for LJ and Jeffra, for them, you know, even if you made the point to them and said, okay, well, hey, look, Wu and Trish and Tony, they're definitely going to be a final three together. So if you guys, you know, want to get rid of them, maybe you could get that at the final seven and say, hey, like that's a, that group of three, when it gets down to five, guess what? You're going home and then you're going home. So at seven, you need to get ahead of that. And then, but we still have nine people left in the game. So I feel like we're about two weeks away from the possibility of Jeffra and LJ switching, right? Yeah, probably. And, but, but nine is an odd number. So a flip is possible. Yeah. But I feel like you'd want to switch against uh, a group of four. And I feel like uh, there's no, like going back to Survivor Marquesis, I feel like you need to sort of establish that there's a four to flip against. And right now I feel like the best you could say is that there's a, you know, there's a five and that there's a three. So I feel like, um, I feel like the move is maybe just to hang on here for two for two more weeks if you're Spencer. And, you know, with the idol, you know, the the he can at least buy himself one more week where he knows he's not going to go home. And then he would need to hang on for one more week. And let's say hypothetically they get rid of then Tasha and Jeremiah in those next two votes. So if it's the final seven is those five, the five from Solana plus Cass and Spencer, he could then grab Cass and then potentially LJ and Jeffra and say, hey, let's flip this on Tony and uh, Trish and Wu at that point. Yeah, that, that, that seems good. Yeah. And then if they go, let's say they vote out Tony and vote out Wu, and then uh, the LJ and, you know, LJ and Jeffra could keep Trish in the mix. Then at final five, they could switch it back on uh, <laughs> Spencer and Cass, and then they could be the final three. That's complicated. Oh, right? what an exciting... Well, hey, <laughs> that's the name of the game, Jeff. All right? So I think that that's the best... Well, that's my recommended strategy here for Spencer. I think he needs your whiteboard for this. <laughs> well, we'll draw it out in the sand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like Helen and Ted in uh, Survivor Thailand. We'll just uh, erase it before Brian Heideck looks over. 
Okay. So then uh, I'm not sure if I got that uh, analogy right. So, okay, let's talk about uh, more about Spencer and his idol. Do you love Spencer? I like Spencer. Just like you like Spencer? Um, I think he's 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 do he's he's been playing the game from the bottom um pretty much from the start. Yeah, welcome to the and, bottom. <laughs> and he's doing a great job. He's still in there and he's he was doubly protected this week. Okay. Got to have double protection. All right. Let's go to Kyle. More questions about Spencer. Hi, Rob. I was just wondering how long Spencer can keep up this ruse that he doesn't have the idol. I mean, everyone technically has the clue. Everyone knows where it should be. Uh, wouldn't they just think that someone would have found it? And the most likely person is Spencer since he's probably the person who started earliest. Um, so, yeah, I was just wondering if this is one of those times where it actually makes sense to tell one person uh, that you have the idol just because everyone's going to suspect it anyway. Um, so yeah, that's it. Thanks. Love to hear your thoughts. Bye. Does it make sense for Spencer to reveal that he does have the idol because that people are going to eventually say, well, obviously somebody must have the idol. It's, it seems, how did they stop searching for the idol? I asked Morgan about that this morning. Of like, what did that look like? Did it is like, did Spencer keep up the ruse of like, oh man, time to go look for the idol some more? So annoying. <laughs> but she said Tony was just looking for it all over the place. So I, I'm going to assume that they kept looking for it. All right, but what? What? How? How would he have sold um, having the idol? I don't know. He would have had to show it to to cast to get her to do something right yeah i mean i well the problem is here for spencer and i guess i i don't think he should take out the idol because now the you have this group with Cass uh up six to up six three now in the numbers okay and now you can get into a scenario where we're in the old you know tyson split the votes six three 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 potential tie break scenario where next week if they think that there could be the idol in play what they could do is with six people say let's put three votes on spencer let's put three votes on tasha or whoever if somebody from that side wins immunity if jeremiah let's put three votes on jeremiah and let's split the vote but that opens up the door for chaos cast once again (laughs) and so you could have the scenario where tony's like Okay, you put three votes on Spencer. I'll put three votes on Jeremiah. And then we have Cass says, I've got an idea. I'm going to vote with Spencer and Jeremiah and Tasha. And then four, it's it's the same thing as with uh, the Tyson vote. Well, it's different than the Tyson vote, but because <laughs> Cass wouldn't presumably be voted out. But, uh, but or she or she could do a John Fincher and force the tie and then uh, flip on the reboot. Either one, but doesn't that seem so up Cass's alley? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's like, hey, it's a good idea because I'm getting rid of a, a good player in Tony, and then I'm back with these guys now, and now I'm not the target, and now there's chaos, and now everything is good. So. I feel like that would be the best case scenario for next week as far as excitement goes. So actually somebody in the know-it-all comments suggested that Spencer could play his idol as if it's the Tyler Perry idol. Yeah. Um, this is a, a good question. I actually, uh, I think I have a, 
uh, a voicemail about that, but we'll uh, we'll go ahead and just uh, talk about it now. So, what do you think about that? So, of course, they get told that there's an idol with special powers, and then they go and look for the idol, and then this is a normal idol, it says on it, which is, seems like kind of a bummer, sort of a, a buzzkill on uh, finding the hidden immunity idol. It's, this is just a normal idol. So I know I was pissed. Yeah, I think a lot of people were. So do you do you like that idea that Spencer should maybe take a page out of Tony's book and say like actually or if anybody watches Big Brother Canada, uh this is what happened with Adele this season where he got a power and then told everybody that it was much more powerful than what he actually had. Well, I think it would have worked worked out best for him if he'd done it this week. Because as you said they can they can split it three three on three the next time yeah okay so i feel like spencer i'm not gonna nitpick what spencer did here i feel like uh that i'm not sure exactly unless showing it to Cass somehow gets her to come and vote with him i don't think that necessarily showing the idol to everybody else is like let everybody else worry about where the idol is or who has it i feel like that sort of like unknown it works in his favor right it's something he knows that everybody else doesn't, and I think that's that's power in itself. Okay, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. The more you know. Okay, let's talk to uh, Tim. He has a question about immunity idol. So much immunity idol questions. Here's Tim. Hi, Rob. This is Tim from Glendale, California, and I have a bit of a philosophical question for you. Is it time for Survivor to come up with a new game-changing gimmick other than the hidden immunity idol? It's been a fixture of the show for seventeen seasons, and it seems like it dominates the game at this point. I mean, we just watched 10 people going on a mad treasure hunt for the fourth idol of the season. The thing used to be buried in three feet of sand on an isolated island and needed three clues to locate. It feels like there are just too many of them, they're too easy to find, and they hold way too much influence on voting strategies. What do you think? Thanks. All right, Jeff, what do you think of this philosophical question about the idol? Have we jumped the shark in terms of idols? Are there, are there too many idols? Do we have too much talk about the idol? Is the whole show revolved around uh, searching for the idol? No, Tim, you're wrong. The idol is the most important thing ever. It was mentioned seven times in the previously on Survivor segment <laughs> in the first minute. Therefore, it is the biggest character of the season. <laughs> yeah, and they're beating the idol, American Idol. <laughs> exactly so, so this is i it took an idol to uh, beat an idol that's right so but do you feel like in all seriousness that uh has the show tipped too much with the idol or you feel like uh it's good i i, I certainly understand why they like it because it creates drama at tribal council and you're you're never absolutely sure what's going to happen um so i i don't think they will ever take it out either way and I'm interested to see how the, the the Tyler Perry idol will figure into things if they ever actually hand it out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I do feel like the immunity idol post-merge, as long as it ends up in the hands of the minority, pe- people in the minority alliance, it's good. The problem is that it can sort of, you know, aid a pagonging when it's in the hands of the majority alliance. Like, it can sort of be, like, very powerful. Like, once it gets in the hands of the Tyson, the Kim Spradlin, the Boston Rob, it's almost like a, you know, you know, go, you know, uh, go directly to go or whatever. It's just like it's, it becomes so powerful for the person who's dominant. But as long as it ends up in the hands of the people that are down in the numbers, I feel like it creates much more excitement 
post-merge. That's true, yes. So, I don't know. I feel like uh, it's there's there's good and it's bad, bad to it. I feel like I was very entertained during everything with the idol on this episode. So I have no problem. Like I'm not watching the show. Like, Oh my God, too much with the idol again. We haven't gotten to Tyler Perry yet, but I feel like (laughs) I'm okay with the idol so far. So what is Probst going to say when he's reading the votes, when there's both the regular idols and the Tyler Perry idol in play, if you have a hidden immunity idol, now's the time to play it. Unless you have the Tyler Perry idol. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's right well it'll say in the instructions actually i have a question about what happens when the two idols meet this question is from taylor let's take that one hey rob this is taylor calling from new orleans or is it orlando Ooh. either one i did come up with a rather interesting scenario last night as i was watching survivor let's say that tony finds the god idol and they decide to vote for spencer while spencer's alliance decides to vote for tony and Spencer has an inkling that this is coming, so Spencer plays his hidden immunity idol. So obviously no votes cast for Spencer are going to count. So Tony appears to be voted out, but then Tony can play the Tyler Perry idol, and in effect, no one has any votes. What do you think they would do in that scenario? Revote or go straight to rock, since technically speaking, that's a tie. All right, Jeff. So now again, this doesn't have to necessarily be the Tyler Perry idol. I mean, we could have seen this in, you know, a number of scenarios that we've had where two people have an idol at tribal council. But let's say all the votes for Spencer, he plays an idol. All the votes for Tony, he plays an idol. He cannot vote for Tony, cannot vote for Spencer. Now, what do we do? Revote or or draw revote or draw rocks? I'll bet that they would draw rocks. I, that would be more fun anyway. It would be much more fun, but I bet they would say, okay, we're voting again. You cannot vote for, you cannot vote for Tony. You cannot vote for Spencer. They have, they have immunity, and whoever has immunity has immunity, and then I think they would re-vote. Yeah, I guess that's possible. That's boring, though. <laughs> well, it would still be exciting. <laughs> I don't think you could say it would be boring. I guess if, if Probst, like jumps in and says, no discussion with each other before they vote, yeah, I think that would be pretty good. A revote, and uh, you know, you can't vote for those people. All right, let's switch gears a little bit, and let's take a question from Amy, and she wants to talk about woo. Here's Amy. Hi, Rob. This is Amy in Melbourne. I have two questions. My first is, do you think it's time that we started keeping a tally of how many times woo has actually said woo in this season? And my second one, it's kind of a chicken and egg situation. Do you think woo's catchphrase is woo because that's his name? Or do you think he's called me because that's his catchphrase? Okay, thank you. Bye. All right, Jeff. What do you think about this? <laughs> this is now because Wu's not his real name. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a nickname. Yeah. So did he get the nickname Wu because he always says Wu, or does he always say Wu because that's his nickname? <laughs> he would have to get the nickname because he always says it. You would think so. Unless it's like Chaos Cast and he just gave the nickname himself. <laughs> What's cooler? Do you want to give yourself the nickname? <laughs> I, I think if, if you can get away with it, give yourself a nickname. <laughs> Have you ever given yourself a nickname? I am El Jefe del Mundo. <laughs> what does that translate to? Uh, the boss of the world. The boss of the world. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, El Jefe del Mundo? Well, m- my friends in college called me Jefe. Okay. And that's kind of, it's, it's a mistranslation of Jeff. Okay. <laughs> Jefe del Mundo. I just uh, expanded on it. 
There you go. Well, I, I love it. There you go. I think that's a, that's a good example. All right, I've got another question about Wu. This one is from Diego. Hey, Robert and Jeffrey. This is Diego. Um, do you think that Sonic the Hedgehog's chances have gone up, um, chances to win have gone up since this episode? He seems to be getting a lot more of a, I don't know if I'd say winners that have put a lot better of an edit than he has in the past. Um, thanks for taking my question. Bye. Okay. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What were the chances of Wu slash Sonic the Hedgehog winning the game with Alex Forstenhauser? So let's, let's talk about uh, Sonic and, and his chances to, to, to win the game. Here, here we go. This is our, our, our Wu music. Uh, all right. Oh, Wu, Wu just found something. Oh. <laughs> oh, Wu fell over. Oh, man. Uh, okay. All right, so Jeff, tell us about uh, your, your take on Wu's chances to win the game. Well, how many one-ups does he have? It's <laughs> got a couple. Can Wu race to the finish in ninja stealth mode? Um, I think Wu's best pass to the pass to the end is to stick with the people he's with and somehow get rid of get LJ and Tony to take each other out. And then he'll be with Trish and Jeffra. But I don't know. As long as he's winning immunities, I think he has a shot. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, other than last night was the first time I really saw Wu do, you know, anything that felt like really strategic where he was like, oh, I'm going to go ahead. And I I know that Spencer has the clue to the idol. So I'm going to sneak up on him. And then I know uh, he must be looking for the idol. So that seemed like a whole different side to Wu that we've never seen before. Well, we haven't really seen Wu at all up until the last episode. Yeah. Do you feel like he's in the mix? Can Wu win the game? Tell me in your in your heart of hearts. No. I don't think so either, but I feel like from a couple of weeks ago when we first talked about it, when somebody asked, is there a better chance that Wu will win Survivor or there'll be a Reality Game Masters 2? And that was actually uh, Ron Chan who asked that question. I said that it was a, a tough call. I will say that there's now a better chance that Wu will win Survivor than there'll be Reality Game Masters 2 this summer. This summer. Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. Um, all right, so let's go to the uh, previously aforementioned Ron Chan, because he has another question for us. So here, let's take it away, Ron. Hi, Rob and Jeff. It's Ron from Toronto. I have two questions that have nothing to do with last night's episode. Rob, did you ever receive that care package from Jatia? And if so, did it contain anthrax? <laughs> Okay, this is a good question because uh, a couple of weeks ago, of course, I talked to Jatia and I had the the exit interview with her, and she seemed a little a little cold to me. I think is that is that fair to say? That that's not over exaggerating. <laughs> so she seemed a little cold to me, and then I got a, a message from her that was like, "Hey, you know, send me your address. I want to send you something that it's it's not anthrax." And so I said, "Okay." And she wrote to me on Twitter and uh, like a like in a private a private message. And uh, she said basically that she felt bad about how our interview went. I said, oh, it's, you know, not a big deal. No problem. And so she went to send me something, but I've never gotten anything. And now I'm starting to worry because, uh, <laughs> you know, Jeff, I have a P.O. box, but I gave her my real address because I said, you know, what? let me let me uh, as a show of good faith. I feel like uh, if I say, like, oh, here's my P.O. box, like, I felt like that was sort of like a big time move to her. 
And I said, all right, well, here's my real address. But then I never got anything. And now I'm, I'm wondering if uh, either is she is she pranking me? Like where it's like I just have to wait every day for the mail to come that something's eventually going to come? Or is she going to send somebody here eventually to pay me a visit? I don't know, Rob. I think when you least expect it, something's going to show up on your doorstep, possibly ah! during finale week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, you know, Jatia, she can't be the worst survivor because she out she outfoxed me. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about. Okay, let's take uh, Wando's question because uh, she has she has a, a bone to pick, uh, several bones to pick with me. Actually, let's take Wando. Hi, Rob. I have a gripe about LJ and Jeffra. They're the same person. Boring confessionals, little camera time for both, and same don't stir the pot strategy. Yet I constantly hear from your guests, whether it's Fishback or the 12 Archetypes guy, LJ's so great, he's not stirring the pot, he's the diplomat. It sounds like your wife is ready to leave you if LJ looked at her. But Jeffra's so belittled, and it's Jeffra's not doing anything. Has Jeffra done anything all season? And let's talk about what LJ's done. He didn't do damage control with Morgan. He wastes an idol. And Alexis commanded the Cousin Bryce vote. So it seems like he's just winging things. Why is he so worshipped and Jeffra's so discarded when they're the same person? I will say this, Rob. You defended Jeffra last week. You acknowledged that she could Natalie White it. And that's a good call. All right. Well, first off, in fairness, Wando, uh, if I do have on good authority that if LJ talked to my wife, she would leave me. Okay, <laughs> that's one, and uh, I have the same from the same assurance from Stephen Fishback. So I have every reason to believe that they, either one of those people would leave me for LJ. But are we overhyping LJ and underhyping Jeffra, Jeff? LJ is at least good at puzzles, and puzzles are in just about every challenge. So he's he's done that. Yeah, I think that LJ has a solid resume. I think that Wando is being a little unfair to LJ here. I think that in you know in his, I could put on LJ's resume. One, he was you know became sort of the leader, uh, both in name and then ultimately as the person who got the alliance together on the original beauty tribe he had you know he immediately realized that you know morgan was a threat he also went out and found the hidden immunity idol he was a big help in almost all the puzzles that were done with the exception of the one that he was doing with jeremiah with the uh the labyrinth game well that was a maze he's not good at mazes he's not good at mazes he's only good at puzzles uh he also then after the merge he was seemingly the key to uh working with trish that it was trish's infatuation with lj that sort of got her thinking about that they should go ahead like you never heard trish talk about jeffra at all um, and I feel like there is a bit of a bromance with LJ and Tony as well. Um, so I feel like that LJ's contributions have been, there have been a number. You can, I have, have, you know, my argument about LJ has been, I think he's been a boring character. I don't think he, other than, oh my God, he's so, uh, he's such a good looking guy. Like, I kind of feel like he hasn't, you know, brought much to the table as far as, being a character on the show is that fair jeff 
he's on the beauty tribe, Rob. What more do you want from him? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Well, he's gotten more airtime than Jeremiah. I kind of feel like, you know, other than him sort of like, they're like, oh man, I can't believe that people don't know, uh, you know, where do these people come from? They don't know, uh, like, you know, where egg comes from or whatever. Like, uh, you know, he, he, I feel like he's said some smart things, but I feel like he hasn't really said anything that's been, you know, particularly witty. I think, also with LJ, everything he said about the game uh, has seemed like uh, he really knows the game inside it out. Yeah. No, I think he's been a, a very strong player. So I feel like uh, I don't think of him as... I think that him and Jeffra are a pair because I think Jeffra is following LJ. And I don't think it's necessarily, you know, that, that I only believe that a female player could follow a male player. I think there's been times before on Survivor, which are probably more rare, where female players are leading male players around. I could think specifically about Amanda Kimmel with James in Survivor Heroes versus Villains. Can you think of any other instances where a female player was sort of the dominant person in a two-person alliance? Um... Uh, there may not be a lot. I'm sure Australia. Okay, Colby and Tina. That's another good one. So I think it does. It does happen. It probably doesn't happen as much as where the male is sort of calling the shots. But I don't think that's necessarily fair to LJ to call him the same as Jeffra. And but who knows? You know, Russell and Natalie is probably another good example. And what happened there? Natalie won the game. So you know, you can't say that. You know, Jeffra has no chance, but I do think that it's more LJ is bringing her along. And maybe she's like, okay, well, that's my strategy because he'll take all the attention here. And, you know, so I don't want to take anything away from Jeffra because uh, the way she's playing is a v- perfectly valid strategy. But I think that it's LJ who is pulling the weight right now. I agree. Yeah. And also, Wando was uh, killing me on Twitter last night saying that I was very anti-Morgan. Jeff, have you found me to be anti-Morgan this season? I think you love everybody equally, right, Rob? <laughs> All the survivors are my children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I had tweeted last night that, uh, you know, Morgan, let me, let me know how this works out with calling Cass one of the, I, I, you know, ugly or, uh, and calling Cass ugly and calling yourself cute because I saw how that played out for Jenna and Heidi on Survivor <laughs> of the Amazon. But I have to say, I went on Twitter and I looked to see if people were really, uh, killing Morgan on Twitter. And I felt like for the most part, uh, she really, she didn't, she didn't, not too many people were like, uh, not too many women were like, hey, don't don't call, uh, don't, how dare you talk to Cass like that? For the most part, people uh, were like, oh, Morgan, you're the best. So uh, she was able to, unlike Jen and Heidi, I think she's Morgan's Teflon. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. So uh, let's talk about uh, Tasha and Cass. And Morgan, I thought, was uh, very good in the exit interview. I was very impressed with uh, her exit interview with me this morning. Okay, I'll look forward to that. I thought she did a great job. Okay, let's talk to David, and he has a question about Tasha and Cass. Hey, Rob. This is David from Decatur. Tasha was Cass's closest ally in the game until Cass flipped last week. This week, we didn't see any of Tasha's reaction to Cass's flip. Do you think Tasha and Cass still have an alliance that they're not showing us on TV? And do you think that Tasha and Cass will get back together before the game is over? Love to hear what you think and love the podcast. All right. So, Jeff, what do you think of the case of the suddenly invisible Tasha? 
Yeah, I was really confused about that. Um, she was really edited out of the episode. The only thing we really even saw her do was making a little heart sign to Sarah when she appeared at Tribal Council. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my question is, did Tasha and Cass really have an alliance in the first place? Well, they certainly did at one point. But I wonder if after the merge, you know, how much of it was that, you know, was Cass correct in perceiving she really was on the outs with her group where it seems like from talking to uh, Morgan this morning and watching her Ponderosa videos, it seemed like Morgan was very close with Sarah and by proxy, I think Tasha. And I wonder if that was sort of a three and if Spencer, you know, had Jeremiah and uh, Sarah was sort of like the person that was like linking those five together. And what if Cass really was on the outs? Well, I think that Sarah said the same thing in her exit interview with Gordon Holmes, right? She said that that she, Sarah, um, Spencer, and Jeremiah had their own sub-alliance. And they were planning to take over the tribe after they got the other guys out. Yeah. So does that change anything for you about what Cass did last week? If that really was the case, that Cass really was six in that group of six? Um, well, um, I think, yeah, knowing that she actually was at the bottom of the alliance makes, makes it much more reasonable to flip. Because we were all looking at it last week as, okay, well, she's in a top three. Why would she switch? She's just being a baby. Why would, why would she switch? I still think even if she was six of six, I still don't think it was a great move. Um, but it's a better move than if she was in the top three for sure. Yeah. And when there's five people on the other alliance, um, there's people to work with um, for your flip. Yeah. And if you're just sitting around waiting to be voted off two more tribal councils later, uh, what does that get you? Okay. It just gets you deeper into the game. It doesn't get you closer to the end. Yeah, it's, it's Spencer, closer to winning. Spencer says he'd rather get closer to winning the game than just move ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Which made me think he was going to do something with his idol, but then he just didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the, went against what he just said. Maybe that was just tribal council talk. Okay. Let's go ahead and let's take a question from uh, Rob Kirk. Okay. Here's his question, and he wants to talk about what's next for Tony. Hey, Rob. It's Rob Kirk from West Palm Beach, Florida. I had a question about what you think Tony's best move is next week. For me, I think he should just vote out Cass. Maybe tell Cass, hey, we're going to vote three for Spencer, three for Jeremiah, flush the idol, and then on the revote, we vote out Spencer. And then just flip Cass with the five-person you know, vote for his alliance. Um, I mean, because as Spencer says, Cass is just operating on estrogen. All right, thanks. Let me hear your thoughts. Um, I saw some people were upset on Twitter, too, about uh, Spencer saying that Cass is just running on estrogen. Uh, were you offended by that? I could see why people would be offended by that, yes. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. Spencer should probably uh, not say that kind of stuff. Okay, so uh, what do you think of uh, Rob's plan? So he says uh, that basically they should split the votes to flush the idol and then on the re-vote, vote out Cass. <laughs> um, that would be very, very dastardly. Um, you know, when the, I suggested something similar, but not voting out Cass with spl- uh, flushing the idol vote next week, and that could be Cass's time to strike. What about if you just tell Cass we're going to split the idol and have her vote for some random person, and then you put all the rest of your uh, five votes on Cass? That's that seems just like mean, an easy, Rob. It seems like an easier way to do that. 
<laughs> yeah, that would work. Yeah. Okay. So do you so, think do you think they should get rid of Cass next? For, I think that they should have gotten rid of, of Cass when they were making the decision between Jatia and Spencer. Well, we'll forget about. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're well past that sh- point in the show. So, should Tony and his group get rid of Cass next? Should that be the next target for them? Cass is a loose cannon. You should always get rid of the loose cannons first. Yeah, you can't trust them. Yeah, I feel like you know you, you got to take the wild card out of the deck. I do feel like I do kind of think that would be a good move. Although, from as a, as a viewer, uh, I don't want Cass gone anytime soon. Yeah, I'm. I want Cass as the unstable element in this equation for as long as possible. Exactly. All right, let's go with one last question. Here's Jeff McGinnis. Hey, Rob. I have a simple question: Who would win in a debate between Morgan and Heidi Strobel? Love the show. Thanks. All right, now who would win in a debate between Morgan and Heidi Strobel, Jeff? Now, again, I think this is just a a actual debate not like a debate pick <laughs> morgan or heidi strobel Who well would... as, as you know rob heidi strobel has the highest iq they've ever tested so I, right. I i think hands down she has to win she has to win yeah i think that while i was very impressed with morgan in my interview with her i think that she would probably lose to heidi because i think heidi has a, a bit of a mean streak where she like wants to win a really a lot more than Morgan. So Heidi has the eye of the tiger. Heidi's an older uh, woman. <laughs> where I don't mean that in like oh like like Morgan uh, doesn't necessarily like the older women, but I think Heidi's like my age, so she's in her mid thirties, and I just think that she would have more experience that she's married to Cole Hamill so she's more familiar with you know uh, doing press conferences and stuff like that so I think hands down Heidi would win against Morgan in the debate also is there a shelter for this debate that Morgan could sleep in during it <laughs> yes yes now the, the real question is would Morgan be able to beat whoever uh, what other competitors she might be facing in a Miss Survivor debate that's a much better question Oh, actually, that is a good question. <laughs> so maybe Morgan can uh, hone it, uh, her debate skills over the next, uh, you know, 10 months or so. Well, hook her up with Heidi. Yeah, I think so. Let's see if we can get her like a mentorship. And then maybe, you know, Heidi can introduce her to some Phillies minor league ball players that are like some up and comers. You know, I think this would be a, a, a win-win. I think so. All Triple right. win. Triple win. All right, so let's get into some of the Survivor uh, social media stuff. And so, Jeff, uh, before we do that, of course, we like to talk about the inappropriate comments. We did not really uh, find anything great. The best that we did was Jeff Probe said uh, all the fixins for the first time in about four <laughs> seasons, at least, uh, when he talked about the Outback reward. Were you excited to see the return of the Outback challenge? Um, yeah. Yeah, just seems weird. Like Outback's like, uh, you know, I, I know we haven't advertised on Survivor in eight seasons, but let's go back to Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Maybe the car challenge is coming back too. Yeah, we're coming home. Okay. Um, so I don't have any inappropriate out of context lines from this there, episode. There was something actually. What um, did, did we miss one? During the reward challenge, Jeff Probst was yelling at Morgan's team, uh, Orange team, time to pull up that chest. And they show <laughs> Morgan bending over to pull the chest up. <laughs> yeah. There, there you go. 
<laughs> All right. Um, so let me just play you real quick. Uh, you guys have been sending me some mashups this season of all of the great lines that we've heard from the out of context, uh, inappropriate quotes. So let me, I'm going to play you something here. This is from, I want to make sure I, I, I'm giving uh, credit to the, the, the right person here. And Tyler Sipes sent this to me. And so let me play this for you. And uh, yes, it's hi- highly inappropriate. This is uh, Tyler. We should bang Tony's ass. Everybody, open your little package. Everybody get good and solid. It is big, it is beautiful, and you are going to love it. This is huge. Ooh. this it's nothing fun about this a lot of pain we'll go 15 <laughs> minutes here as well Woo. now you're gonna have to grip a little more tightly think of this as your warm-up round just getting loose get your body ready for what's to come this is the oddest tribe i've ever seen <laughs> yeah you always have to end it with uh this is the oddest tribe i've ever seen so uh, that was Tyler Sipes with a very extended mashup of all the inappropriate comments from uh, this season and beyond. I, I'm thinking this is not a family show anymore, Rob. <laughs> well, I think we're approaching the three-hour mark. I think we start to uh, no no kids can stay out, stay listen to this for that long. That's okay. true. All right, so uh, let's get into some of the Survivor social media. Um, Penner last night. Um, Penner is not a fan of Morgan. Uh, he, he tweeted, uh, Morgan is a 14 year old dog who pees on the rug and a bitch. So, oh my God. <laughs> Penner. Uh, I hope he started referring to her as a female dog. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, Penner. Um, did you feel like that was a fair analogy? Morgan's like a 14 year old dog. Um, it was an odd analogy. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, Jenna Maraska, she, she, she tweeted, gee, what Morgan said about Cass, the old lady, sounds awfully familiar to my season. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, to be fair, I'm pretty sure Morgan has not seen your season. <laughs> that's, that's, probably, that's probably very fair. Okay. Let's uh, talk about um, Denise. Uh, she tweeted... Uh, uh, oh, Tony Vlachos, pillow or a person? That's beautiful. Snarky but funny. So Denise is praising the uh, person or a pillow. Um, Rupert tweeted, This has been a great episode of Survivor Tweet, but I found myself thinking of how many steaks I'd eat during the break. Uh, <laughs> and then this is where it gets even better. Uh, Rupert uh, tweets, um, the last time I was at an all-you-can-eat steak at Ponderosa, I ate 17 steaks, but they were little. <laughs> uh, wouldn't you have loved to have seen that on YouTube of Rupert eating 17 steaks? I don't care how small they are. Why are you hiding this from us, CBS? <laughs> oh, Ponderosa. That Ponderosa. I thought Ponderosa liked the steakhouse. I thought Ponderosa like- steakhouse? Yeah, it's like a sizzler. Oh, <laughs> but you're right. You're probably right. <laughs> Hold on. So the last time Rupert was at Ponderosa, he ate 17 steaks. So he ate 17 steaks after he was on Exile Island for uh, what, for six days. Was it six days? I think it was five. Actually, <laughs> you wouldn't even think he'd be that hungry. And he was catching fish. <laughs> well, he was like, wasn't. Yeah, I guess I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that would have been a great Ponderosa video. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Vetus. Uh, he tweeted uh, that to Tony, uh, I love that you're fishing for the idol with the Hawaiian sling. So uh, that, that's a good way to find the idol. And uh, Vetus... And he was still getting hit by... Uh, or punctured by trees as he was doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be very dangerous. So then also Vetus said, um, uh, I was second jury. Morgan was second jury. Does that mean we are made for each other? Who are some other second members in the jury? Um, and Morgan tweeted back, well, isn't it... First is the worst, second is the best. So do you think that, is there some Twitter flirtation happening between Vetus and Morgan? It sure looks like it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll see. Have you been following the uh, ongoing uh, tweet or text chats between Spencer and Tony? <laughs> that was pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Very mean, though. <laughs> why which one did you see it seems like spencer's been posting a lot of them <laughs> spencer explaining social media to tony yeah um so uh yeah they're very they're very funny you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read them all because it's a it, it'd be too hard to follow but um basically if if you follow spencer on twitter at spencer bgm he's been uh putting screenshots of some of the conversations that he's having with tony which are all uh, very, very funny about trying to explain uh, social media to Tony. So have you been following uh, Lisey's tweets during the season? No, I haven't. <laughs> well, Lisey is always, she's always posting tweets. Uh, she is at Lisey underscore Linares. Uh, she does like a lot of like still shots. Like she pauses the TV screen and then she licks the screen. Uh, there's one from last night. She's like, she's uh, licking something and she's like, OMG, that woman's crotch. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Lisey's, How have I been missing out on this? I, you got to follow Lisi on Twitter. Um, Reynolds tweeted to Spencer, said, uh, even after a catastrophe, you keep fighting like a bro. Ha ha. Great season, man. I still like your chances. So, Ren- uh, it could be, could Spencer be the fourth amigo? Getting endorsed by Reynolds, is that a good <laughs> thing or a bad thing? All right. And of course, everybody's always waiting for it. Let's get to Eliza. Eliza, not happy last night after the episode. She tweeted, uh, why didn't the producer just hand Spencer the clue? Hey, we've got something for you. <laughs> Hashtag luck? Question mark. Hashtag I think not survivor. So Eliza, not happy with Spencer getting the clue to the idol. But Eliza didn't make any comments about Sarah usurping her eye rolling. <laughs> <laughs> those were not reported to me by uh by zach brooks and the rhap staffers so uh there you have it jeff there you have it yeah so that is another week of survivor in the books that's it it was a good week it was it was it's been all of them have been good weeks uh jeff what are you working on on true dork times um more recaps more uh inaccurate captions for uh video captures from the episode <laughs> okay well that sounds funny i yeah. write it for myself i don't really care if anybody else laughs <laughs> but i still put it on the internet in case they do <laughs> all right so uh follow are you, are you at true dark times or at jeff Pittman? at true dark times at true dark times uh on twitter and uh jeff uh keep up the great work all right thanks rob all right take care you too bye 
All right, everybody. There you have it. Jeff Pittman. And boy, we have come a long way in this podcast. This is definitely the longest. Already, this is the longest podcast of the season so far through seven episodes of Survivor Kagayan. So let's just uh, start to talk about some a few other things. Uh, don't forget this weekend, I am going to be down at the Reality Rally. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going down there with my brother on Saturday afternoon, and then we're going to go check out the Mets playing the Angels on Sunday afternoon. So really excited for that weekend. So uh, probably by Monday or Tuesday, depending on how much editing I have to do on these shows. And I'll have those up for you guys on Rob has a podcast next weekend. If you're going to be at the Reality Rally, definitely come and seek me out Saturday night. I should have like a booth set up and definitely come and say hi because I would love to meet anybody who is a listener of the podcast in person. So I wanted to thank everybody who has become a patron of Rob Has a Podcast in the last week. I really do uh, appreciate that very much. Uh, We're going to be getting ready to do our first ever Rob Has a Patron cast at the end of this month. I think what we're going to do is I'm going to be taking phone calls live. Uh, That show is going to be the only show that I do that's exclusively for the patrons. If you want to find out more about how to become a patron, you can go to robhasawebsite.com slash patron and you could watch the video I did and uh, hear a little bit more about the incentives that we have if you want to help support the podcast in that way and I'm going to play a few more testimonials as I'm getting testimonials in from the patrons I'm going to try to play uh, them when they are relevant to the episodes sometimes before and sometimes after the podcast for those of you guys who made it this far feel like there's a couple different ways that we could go for a hashtag. I'm going to go with the one that I like the most. Uh, how about let's go with Pineapple Rita because that, that is not paid product placement from our friends over at Outback. But I bet a Pineapple Rita would be, would be very delicious, but probably not as delicious as an R-H-A-P cocktail. So Pineapple Rita, if you made it this far into the podcast. And really, look at you. This is almost a three-hour podcast, and you, and you made it so far. So congratulations. This is, uh, wear this as a badge of honor because you are a true fan of, of, if not Rob as a podcast, then at least Survivor. So great job there. And then we'll be back to our regular Amazing Race schedule uh, this week after Amazing Race took a one-week hiatus. We'll have our Amazing Race show Sunday night, and then I'll talk to the next team that got eliminated, and then we'll have our Amazing Race live show on Monday night, and then back to usual for everything. And if you haven't catched our Game of Thrones podcasts on Post Show Recaps, Josh Wiggler and I are recapping Game of Thrones every Sunday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Pacific. So have a great weekend, everybody. Hope to see you at the Reality Rally if you're going to be there. And thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Bye. Hi, this is Mary. I'm a patron of Rob Has a Podcast. Because I just got a call from Nicole. And Rob, she wanted to know, are you a person or a pillow? Hey, this is Louise from Melbourne, Australia. And I am a patron of Rob Has a Podcast. Because I need rap more than I need an Outback Steak. With all the fixings, even though I'm from Australia. This is Holly from Phoenix. And I am a patron of Rob Has a Podcast because I need Rahap more than Spencer needed a better place to hide his clue. Thanks.